Hello, welcome to Riot Act, the alternative music podcast. I'm just putting that in. By the way, that isn't actually an official title. It's just Riot Act, but I like to call it the 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 alternative music podcast because I feel it is the alternative music podcast. I don't think there are any others. Oh, I sort of thought it was making a stand out from the crowd. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> anyway, hello, I'm Stephen Hill. That's Renfrey Deadman, my hello. co-host and friend. Hello. Um, you happy? You all right with that? Sure. You just, your eyebrows went up like, oh, we're friends now. Well, there, was a, there was an element of me was like, oh, assuming much, but that's fine. <laughs> you coming out on New Year's Eve with me, Renfrey? I texted you, so you ignored it. Um, I have ignored it because I, I haven't, I don't know yet. Yeah, I'm, I don't oh. have any other plans. <laughs> I probably will. Um, I'm DJing at Last Resort, the Star of Kings in King's Cross on New Year's Eve. Yeah, nice. Right? So I'm just putting it out there to the ether, to the world. It's got a live band karaoke. Um, oh, really? Yeah, I've put it on Twitter. I've put it on my Instagram. You didn't tell me about live band live karaoke. Live band karaoke. Okay, I'm me there. and the, the late, great Merlin Alderslade uh, from Metal. Late, the, great? Well, he is alive, He's I alive, believe. but he's late and great. It was, he's great, isn't he? So um, so Merlin Alderslade, he's not dead. <laughs> he's, he's not late. No, he's <laughs> not late. But, you know, he can bring himself back to life with uh, yeah, his magical powers. I'm sure he hates hearing that. Uh, sorry, Merlin. Yeah, um, so Merle's going to DJ and... Lots of other great people are going to DJ some rock club bangers. I'll be playing Girls Aloud, Hundy Peas. Hundy Peas? 100%. Ah. Yeah, that's what the kids say, apparently. Uh, well, I say the kids. And I the illiterate. I imagine that's what the kids say. Oh, right. So okay. I've started saying it to myself, okay, sounding cool. younger, even though I have no real context for whether or not that is what they say. <laughs> uh, and um, yeah, come down. It'll be really, really good fun. I'm quite looking forward to it. Uh, yeah, I'd I'm, love you to come. I'm, I'm well up for it, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See Renfrey doing fucking Down With A Sickness on karaoke. <laughs> that, that's likely. That's a very <laughs> likely thing that will happen. That is very likely. Is, well, I've already signed you up for it, so that's why I think. Cool. Uh, good. Yeah, good. Um, come down. Anyway, welcome to the show. This is a quite a special show. We are counting down over the next two weeks our top 20 albums of the 2018. Let's face so, it, Steve, it's always a special show. Thank you very much. I believe that to be true as well. But this is particularly special as we're going to be Uber counting special. down our, uh, our top 20 albums of the year. This week we're doing 20 to 11. Next week we'll be doing 10 to 1. Should be a lot of fun, I reckon. I think, yeah, I think it will be fun. I don't fun. know yours. No, I you don't, don't know, know yours. Mine. Well, I know your number one. But everyone fucking everyone knows my fucking number, knows one. number one. Um, well, it would be the best heel turn ever if I just changed it completely <laughs> and it wasn't even the top 20. Cardi B. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Nice. Um, oh, someone's been googling new artists. Someone's been on Apple Music. Going, uh, do you know what? It was, it was actually. Uh, I'm going to give a shout out here. Uh, it was uh, Brady from Condra said that it was his favourite album of the year. So uh, I'm just outing him apparently because uh, if you play heavy music, you're not allowed to like anything but heavy music. He's apparently. a cock. Brady. <laughs> Um, I mean, we have discussed it on this podcast before. <laughs> yeah. um, He's a stupid, stupid boy. <laughs> why, why? Um, so tell me, tell me about Cardi B. Why is Cardi B... I don't know anything about Cardi B. I think Brady's just, just showing off, isn't he? Really, is he? he likes the Five Finger Death Punch album. <laughs> oh um, my God. We're never going to get into there, any of their shows ever again. All right. Um, Sorry, no, Brady. So basically... Um, well, do you have a good? We we we're not going to do news or all that other stuff. We're not going to do um, trade off. I think we should uh, like shout out. It's been a busy week for gigs. It always is this time of year. Mm-hmm. Um, I in the last week, just to give a quick, really really quick live review, I went to see Skeleton Witch. Now ah. we have not had a chance to talk about Skeleton Witch, whose new album is called Devouring Radiant Light. I believe that's what it's called. Is just 
I, I, I really like Skeleton Witch. I've always liked them. And I've probably seen their last three or four London shows. And I always think they've been good. Okay. They're reliably good. They were fucking outstanding last week. Okay. Outstanding. They've got a new vocalist whose name escapes me, who has... Um, uh, took over from Chance Garnett was the, the vocalist who left who I always thought was had a funny little kind of weaselly presence about him he's a little kind of furry furball of a man I thought he was quite <laughs> good but they got a new dude who's amazing and they, they kind of it was kind of blackened thrash that they used to do before whereas yeah. this is a more uh, it was a raw kind of death like Florida a lot of Florida and death metal vibes oh that, nice kicking out I thought they were brilliant I've not I've, I've not seen them over many many years but i've certainly this decade i think i've seen skeleton witch about four or five times and okay. that was by far by far and away the best skeleton witch show i've seen it oh, was fantastic. fucking brilliant so shout out skeleton witch who we haven't really had much of a chance to talk about that album but this is at the underworld record. right no it was at the dome oh sorry and it was annoying because i mean i was a bit like oh because i wanted to go and see manta um mm. And Mantar pulled out on the day due to illness, which is a bit of a shame. Mm. Um, so I hope you to see really, soon. really loved that record a lot as well, didn't you? Yeah. Oh, no, no spoilers. There are. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, but Mantar pulled out, which is a bit of a shame. So okay. I didn't get to see them. But the same night, it was kind of annoying because I would think it was the same night as Perfect Circle. Yeah. And I wanted to go and see Mantar, and Mantar pulled out. So I missed the Perfect Circle, who I understand won't be back for a long time. But you did go and see Perfect Circle. How they will not be back for a long time. Um, Maynard even pointed out that they would not be back for a long time because uh, he was busy next year doing something else. And there was a huge cheer. Mm. And then uh, he sort of said, And the yeah. rest of the band went, oh, fucking cheers. <laughs> but, well, then he then he sort of deadpanned that he was uh, doing some cooking classes, maybe learning to fly and stuff like that, blah, blah, blah. It was funny while you were there. Um, mm. Anyway, um, I'm going to very quickly talk about Chelsea Wolf, who yeah, supported. Mm. Um, I realised I'd not seen Chelsea Wolf for f- about 18 months, um, and I hadn't seen her new material live, and it was just so good. Material like spun. Is that from his spun. Uh, his spun. That yeah, is yeah, a yeah. fucking wonderful. That record is record. amazing. It just sounds so heavy and so gloriously. just ridiculously heavy in uh, Wembley Arena it's really nice recently to see Wembley like arena gigs it used to be quite notorious for support acts just to get really shoddy shit sound and recently I've been seeing that less and less you know good I mean this is at the O2 Arena but Gojira supporting Mm -hmm. Alt Bridge and like all this kind of thing and uh, Merca and Smashing Pumpkins and 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 Chelsea Wolf just sounded fucking amazing. They were absolutely brilliant. Um, there's that song on the new album which has uh, vocals from uh, Neurosis. Is it Neurosis frontman? I think. Uh, which were done brilliantly by just like the backing guitarist, but it just yeah. sounded fucking amazing. Um, really amazing. I, I adore Chelsea Wolf. She's just a brilliant, yeah. brilliant presence. Amazing. Um, a perfect circle. Uh I never thought I would be sitting here going, I think it might have been better than the Brixton show. But I really? think wow. it might have been better than the Brixton show. I've heard mixed, mixed reviews, but that's... Really? Amazing. Yeah, I have, yeah. Oh my God. I thought they were absolutely phenomenal. Um, they played a far broader... They, they've been playing a lot of stuff from you know they have that covers album emotive yeah um they kind of treat it as it's as if it's their third album which i think is quite frustrating for a lot of fans because that's not really the material that a lot of people go to uh and at brixton they ended up playing two or three songs from that they only played one from wembley this time and instead they did for example judith like judith from murder noms 
as, before this tour, I don't think it had been played live for like a decade kind mm. of thing. And I didn't know they were, I didn't look at set lists or anything like that. So I just, the place seemed to go off when they started playing it. And um, A Perfect Circle's songs are massive and they actually sound brilliant in that arena environment. Yeah. I think it would be remiss of me not <clears throat> to point out the fact that it didn't seem to sell sell very well. Yeah, I, that I as well. guess that um, two shows at Brixton sold out instantly and they went, oh, okay, well, maybe we can do Wembley Arena. But I guess most people's thinking is like, I don't mind seeing them at Brixton, but I don't want to see them in a fucking arena. But to be totally honest with you, it, it I, th- I didn't think it made much of a difference at all because those songs work in that massive, massive environment. Yeah. Um, it's only a few months after Brixton, two nights at Brixton. I think that's partly it as well. And it seems I, like it was a, that was announced before the Brixton shows even happened. I think it was, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It, was. it yeah. was. And I think that, yeah, that probably didn't help. Um, I mean, my guesstimate would be it was about two thirds full. Uh, but they definitely, you know, they definitely had a curtain at the back of the arena and stuff like that. Um, but uh, it, it was just, I just thought it was phenomenal. It, quite weirdly, Billy um, Billy Howdell was actually a little bit slow to begin with. Um, he actually pointed out at one point that he just had really cold hands. And there was actually a few moments where he made a few mistakes, mm. but it kind of made it a little bit more human in a way. I didn't really mind. You Perfect circle, you kind of expect to see in there, you expect to see them perfect and... No pun intended. And um, there were actually a couple of mistakes in there, but I quite liked that in a way. I don't know if that's what people said. What negative things have you heard about that show? Out of Just interest? The, 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 well, it was a lot about the crowd. The crowd wasn't a bit of a sparse and it felt like it was... Um, a little bit lacking in energy and it just felt like the whole kind of vibe of it was didn't quite translate into an arena that's what I heard but anyway mm-hmm. I did say a short review and you ignored that yeah. already so I'm yeah, going to yeah, carry yeah. on I saw Skin Jade as well <laughs> yes. uh, at the Underworld doing a kind of Christmas party for um, I don't know who it was for it was a day, some sort of Underworld Christmas party but anyway Skin Jade obviously usually play Brixton Academy one of the best sort of most reliable live bands in the world um like Benji Webb always says, if you come and see Skin Dread, you won't leave surprised and you won't leave disappointed, which I think is the thing at this <laughs> point. I think fair. I've seen Skin Dread more than I've seen any band ever. Right. Um, shout out Black Futures, who went on first, who did a fucking great job. It yeah. looked like it wasn't going to kind of happen for him for a couple of songs. But by the end, Black Futures, like, I wasn't mad excited in the same way as you were about Black Futures initially. I'm very excited about Black Futures at this point. Great. I haven't seen them Good. on Saturday. I thought they were really, really excellent. Skindred, I think Skindred actually worked better in a bigger in a bigger venue. Yeah. Like the okay. thing about Skindred is like it's so massive and it's so kind of bold and colourful and cartoonish as well. Like, do you know yep. what I mean? Like they are um and Benji's just so brilliant. It feels like he can command so many more people than just the underworld. But obviously seeing them in a tiny little venue is always a thrill. And I tell you what a good thrill is, is watching Skindred with somebody who doesn't know anything about them. So you say like, oh, come see this band. And they're like, well, I don't really know much about metal. And then they come and they sort of expect that they're going to get some quite mm-hmm. difficult like heavy metal band mm-hmm. and then you see them go fucking out like they're chucking out the prodigy and they're chucking mm-hmm. out like um what other so they chucked out a whole bunch of obviously you know they they stick in back in black and they, they do merry christmas everyone yeah they did yeah yeah it was great yeah so skin dread just the ultimate fun brilliant live band and they'll be back at download in the summer and of course It'll be amazing. And then the next night, I went back to the Underworld. Um, I've got a chat coming up, but I can tell you that we did do with, uh, that will be coming in the new year with Frankie Madball. 
from Ooh. Madball. So if you're a fan of hardcore, especially the kind of the early, early years of hardcore, talking to Frankie about being a seven-year-old kid watching Bad Brains from the side of the stage in CBGBs. Oh, wow. Is a, I talked to him for an hour. That's we were supposed cool. to do two different little things. We ended up doing one and doing it for a full hour. So there's a full hour chat with me and Frankie Madball coming next year, which is, you know, like I say, if you're a fan of kind of uh, the early to mid period of hardcore is great. And Madball, again, like I've seen them at the Underworld. I, I couldn't even tell you. And every single time, it's brilliant. And it was brilliant again the other night. They've just... Something about that school of bands where they just, you know, whether it's Sick of It or Agnostic Front, Madball, uh, whoever you want to name from mm. that from that school, it mm. just feels like, you know, you, you see Walter from Quicksand or, you know, you go and see rival schools and they've still got the same energy that they seem to have. Yeah. And, and I, I don't know what they put in the water in New York yeah, in the yeah. mid-80s up to the kind of early 90s. But whatever it is, my God, I would like some of it because they just have so much energy. And I have to say, actually, considering it was a Madball show and I've been to a lot of Madball shows and they are crazy, it wasn't the most, like, the audience, there was a little bit of energy lacking, but okay. Madball was Madball was Madball and it was fucking, it was great. So anyway, that's been our week. Yeah. <laughs> um, this oh, is, and listening to fuckloads of records. Yeah, and this is going <laughs> to be our year. So next week we're going to be doing... 10 to 1, but to get to that, we've got to do 20 to 11. Um, but before we do, so next week, we're actually going to be picking a couple of other things. We're going to be picking our best gigs of the year, and we're going to be picking the worst albums of the year next week. Yeah. And I am calling it the worst album. We okay. had a conversation earlier. It's like, oh, I don't really think we should use worst. Fuck you. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not using the mute, Muse as the biggest disappointment. I wasn't disappointed. I knew what it was going to be, and it was. So, um, <laughs> um, uh, but uh, this week, we're going to pick our favourite, before we do the albums, we're going to pick our favourite EPs. Oh, yeah. Um, so, I, 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 Nine Inch Nails would have probably made my top twenty albums if I was allowed to have it. Yes, I. And I'm, Trent Reznor I, yes. wants me to have it. Yes, but I, you think you're more important than Trent Reznor, and and more. You, you, you have like usurped Trent Reznor and gone. No, I don't care what you say, Reznor. This is an EP. So obviously. Bad Witch by Nine Inch Nails. This is a conversation. Well, this is a conversation we had off 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 uh, off mic where yeah. I said I don't give a fuck what Trent Reznor thinks. <laughs> Bad Witch is an EP. It's, yeah, it's, it's not. It, it's thirty minutes and it's six tracks. It's an EP. I yeah. don't care. And this at the end of the day, it's our list. Yeah. So that's so we're playing yeah. by our rules. So I think I mean Bad Witch is amazing. Uh, well, yeah. If you're going to talk about Bad Witch, Bad Witch is one of mine as well. Yeah, I mean uh, it's that, fucking brilliant. Yeah, it's fucking brilliant. That whole kind of like Black Star influenced um, post-industrial yeah. jazz thing. Well, I was going to say, I it's mean, what you wanted the Shining album to sound. Oh, like. so much. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Spoiler: Shining might come up next week. Yeah. Um, in worst, just to be clear. Um, yeah, I, I I think the fact that Nine Inch Nails are 30 years old, mm. amazingly, uh, unbelievably they are 30 years old, and yet they continue to do new things. I mean, bar, I was thinking about it, I was like, when have Nine Inch Nails used jazz in their sound? And I was, that Lemur um, drum bit. beat is a bit jazzy. Beyond that, I can't really think when Nine Inch Nails have 
obviously overtly use the jazz influence and this ep is basically nine inch nails does miles davis i mean I that's not quite true but you know it's it's got this really cool jazzy feel um and yeah the black star thing is a great shout as well mm-hmm. like the bowie influence is all over it it's yeah. fucking brilliant two um other ba- other eps from young british bands i want to shout out casket feeder oh, okay that's on my list Swedish, <laughs> yeah yeah hardcore um Swedish death metal influenced like nastiness from Milton Keynes fucking brilliant and Urn as well that's a great show which kind of manages to be part Orange Goblin part Mastodon part Machine Head but still kind of just sound like them that is really good I still actually haven't had a chance to go and see those guys and I've been asked a few times and because of being ill and various other busy things I've not got around to it I'm sorry chaps I really really do want to come and see you play those songs live because I think it's a fucking great EP and I still listen to it quite a lot like Headbanger if you're someone who wants to bang your head that I mean that EP is like is essential listening I think for you it's it's brilliant actually i kind of i almost want to bump casket feeder actually because i think that i forgot about that ernie p and that is a fucking great shout yeah it's a good one um and yeah we both desperately want to see it live so keep inviting us guys <laughs> yeah um right same so my list is the same as yours bar i'll replace uh i'll replace casket feeder why not with mm-hmm. uh it's got to be fever three through three i'm afraid i wanged oh, on yeah. about it a lot um earlier this year i love what they're doing we've heard the album have you heard the album uh, yeah, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> um, and um, I just love the fire of what they're trying to do and I suppose it's easy to look at that kind of thing and be cynical and just go oh, whatever and I've already seen a lot of that but um, and the language that they use in terms of like it being a movement and all that kind of thing I understand why people are cynical about it but the music just fucking slams and in terms of the um, live show it's spoiler alert one of the best i've seen this year i mean it's absolutely phenomenal Mm. um and the combination of those three musicians is a really volatile mix um is that your number one then your number one pick uh i didn't realize we were doing them well no no we're not really but i just thought maybe the way you were talking about it it probably was your favorite oh it's really hard between bad witch and fever three i mean how the fuck do you compare nine inch nails and fever three 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 well Um, yeah but yeah i mean my shout for the best because I kind of feel bad giving it to Night's Nails when it's been called an album even though I think it is probably the best like oh, one. but the best band in the fucking world Code Orange Code Orange are the best band in the world how did I forget that AP as well and yeah okay. and so many people have forgotten yeah, that AP yeah, yeah. and it's done Jamie Morgan's editing oh and really I to Jamie Morgan last <laughs> week and he's not happy with you lot ignoring the fact that Code Orange put a fucking three track EP with a remix a new song and a song with them and Corey Taylor from Slipknot on there. Did they release up and it doing... as physical? Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure well, if, if they, they did. didn't. That's why people forgot. Yeah, release possibly. things as physical. He, but you know, he, he said that like they've learned a lot from the sort of reaction to it and how it kind yeah. of, you know, it, it didn't seem to have like really blown up. But for, for my money, like, no one does the thing that Code Orange do better than Code Orange. No mm. one really does much <laughs> better than Code Orange. Um, we haven't had a chance to speak about Code Orange on this podcast and I think I'll definitely save most of it for when the album comes out because the album's going to come and uh, it's going to be some... F- how they fucking top that last record, I have no idea. But if any band can do it, then Code Orange can But it do sounds it. like they're going in the right direction by not yeah. trying to. Like mm. the little teeny itty bitty things that we've heard. We've heard no, n- nothing more than uh, anyone else would have heard as far as I'm aware. Yeah. Um, but 
just the fact that they're going in bolder, more interesting directions and like more melodic directions. And I, I think the most exciting thing about them is we can't predict what they're going to do next. Mm. So yeah, I, I wouldn't bet against them personally. No, not a chance. So anyway, let's get into the top 20. Um, Renfrey, 2018 as a year, I went on, I went on Twitter a couple of days ago Oh, a yeah. week ago and I've I said I'm not sure yeah yeah and I said I'm not sure that this has been a kind of classic year and I put my like I sort of looked at the top 20 that was in a kind of penciled rough form and I thought has it been that good I'm not really that sure um but looking at the stuff that I left out I actually made a list of the stuff that didn't make it in um some fucking great records that haven't made it in. I think I think that is probably the best way to ascertain whether it's been a good year or not. And my kind of bubbling under list, as I called it, um, is ridiculous. Um, and there are releases. There's a lot of releases in my bubbling under, which we've spoken about or you've sort of mentioned them and gone, I'd be really surprised if it's not my end of the year. And I've mm. just sort of had a weird kind of look gone like, yeah. uh-oh. Well, um, but yeah. this is the thing. It, the quality is enormously high mm. this year. Um, I don't think there's been any... I, I don't think there are many records that are kind of 10 out of 10. Um, Steve just pulled a face there, which is kind of like, no, there's one. Uh, <laughs> oh, which one's that? I wonder. No, that's a uh, out of ten, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, I do think across the board generally, it's been really, really good. Yeah, I think it's been good. I think like from what I looking at my list, I think for me, there's two absolute worldies, two absolute worldies that have come out this year. There's a lot of really, really great records. There's a lot mm-hmm. of very good records. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think when I kind of look at my, I basically got a list of 35 and yep. kind of whittled that down to 20. I had 40, um, but yeah. Yeah. And I think all of those are really great. I think beyond that, there's a lot of stuff that was pretty middling, to be mm-hmm. fair. Mm-hmm. But, and what would you say has been the most kind of dominant genre of this year? I don't know. Because we're what... sort of open, trying to open ourselves up to as many, as much a wider genre yeah basis as we can yeah um that's why it's an irritating question (laughs) because because i think it i think truthfully um and i don't know if this is just because i've opened myself up to it more in the last few years but i'm so stunned by just what is going on in in like really extreme metal at the moment yeah i just i mean um my this part of our top 20 is actually quite riddled with really heavy albums uh for uh, on my side yeah and uh, it's because the quality in really heavy music and the experimentation, I think, you know, there's a lot of um, old school fans who bemoan anything when there's experimentation put into it. But bands like Deaf Heaven and uh, bands who are putting different elements into it are actually expanding it and making so, it so much more interesting. Well, well, when I look at the the sort of... The, I've kind of divvied it up into, and into the metal section... Pig Destroy didn't make my list. Mole didn't make my list. Ooh. Oceans of Slumber didn't make my list. Mm. Watane didn't make my list. Mm. Tesseract just, just, just missed out. Um, I think Pig Destroy would have been, would be 21. And now Nathrak, like all of those records, really, really heavy, really, really brilliant, um, really interesting. All of them really interesting, all of them very, very unique. Um, 
and that's a big list of like when you think mm. there is quite a lot of metal there's a fair few metal bands in, in my list like that's a that's a fucking good year for metal yeah like a really good year and when you compare it with say really the only kind of two punk and hardcore bands that didn't get in that kind of nearly made it were Birds in Row who I thought might make it but didn't quite mm. and I thought the Nervous album was really good as well mm. for a kind of pop like a, a more pop influenced Definitely. sort of pop punky album I thought that was was really really great the really great songwriting on it I do weirdly find myself going back more to Permanent Rainbow even though I sort of said I thought that the, the latest Nervous record was a bit better um, I do I do prefer the debut I will admit but but I still but I think Everything Dies is a phenomenal yeah. uh, follow up and I think for me um, just to kind of close up on my other sort of other picks in kind of alternative in a more wider sense um, I think if I'd heard Car Seat Headrest or I told you I'd eat you earlier mm. I think there's a good shout that both of those might have got in Marmosets was one that I thought was really great, but kind mm. of that tailed off. Although I do think it's a good album, it tailed off a bit. Yep. The Dirty Nil album I thought was a mm. shoe in to get in and didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, Ocean Wisdom I was talking about last week, and I really, really loved that album. That was quite close. And um, and also Prestamico, who has yeah. that's an album that stuck with me for for the whole year, and I think there's some really, really brilliant moments on that, and that was very close as well. And when you think about big, big bands, Judas Priest. Yeah, like fucking great album didn't make it in Clutch a band who are unbelievably consistent have made a fucking another great record didn't make it in mm-hmm. the first Manic Street Preachers album that I've liked <laughs> in a long since time since 1996 that I've really sat down and played wow. a lot and it's actually made me go back and listen more to some of the latter day Manic Street Preachers mm-hmm. stuff with a, with a different ear and I have to say the 1975 album I think as a huge uh, in terms of a huge album I'm going to shout out the 1975 album for making a record which has resonated with a lot of people, mm-hmm. a lot of people, and is a, a smasher of a record, a big smash, like a big record. And for mainstream music, for kind of big, big music, for me, that is that is the best example of very, very mainstream pop stroke indie music at the moment. Oh, listeners, if you had heard his I know, phone it's mad. Call to I've me. still been listening to it though. It's, I hate it. It's really good, but I've, <laughs> I've gone out. So yeah, so that would be my my kind of, um, my sort of, my, my shouts. But I think you're right to look at metal as a kind of dominant genre. I think metal's in a fucking great place. At yeah, the moment. yeah. Um, I do these lists, I've been doing these lists, well, since 2000, which gives you an insight into my life, because that's way before I was a music journalist. And um, <laughs> I've never, they have never been so, I mean, this might be the heaviest list I've ever done, I think, in terms of pure, brutal extremity. That might just be because my tastes are changing and stuff like that to a degree and things like that. But it's it's crazy how, how um, good this year has been for, and I mean particularly extreme metal as well extreme music or extreme forms of music certainly um in terms of my bubbling unders ones that didn't get in i was this my 21 would have been pine the pine album loss um really hurt me not to get that in because i think it's an extraordinary debut Mm. um i described it the other week as cult of luna meets godspeed to you black emperor and um uh, I mean, that just sounds like the best thing in the world, and that's exactly what it is. But it's still number twenty-one, which shows what a great year it's been. Um, Behemoth, believe it or not, did not make my list. I right. love you, and this is but the Behemoth is such a great example of a record where you listen to it and you go, well, "That's that's it's going to be in mm. the top twenty, isn't it?" And then you get to the crunch, and it's just like you just can't find a place for it, you mm. know. 
Um, Behemoth was in my list for a very long time, but I had to had to nix it for something. You can't else. give every shout out this much fucking Fine. like um, <laughs> this much like context. I feel like you're reviewing the album every single one. Right, 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 We're right. gonna be here for hours. Come on. Alright, let's 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 do something just to really anger you. Dose your dreams. Oh the face that he's pulling. Oh guys, if you could be here tears uh, no that's fine you don't have to put it in you didn't get that didn't get in your top 20 um i'm gonna i've been getting really annoyed with every fucking list i see that's not in there like, <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you i think dose of dreams is clearly a masterpiece mm-hmm. uh and i think it is a uh, phenomenal piece of work that deserves way more credit than it's got from most people to be honest, I kind of knew that you would do that job for me in terms of Riot Act. But also I feel, I know you think it's a 10 out of 10 or 11 out of 10 or whatever. Um, I feel that there are weak points on it. And I also feel that a, the worst thing is those weak points tend to be when their lead vocalist is on it. I think Damien, um, it's not even... Move da- on, Renfrey. It, no, 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 move, it's not even Damien. to move on. No, no, no. no. No, it's not even Damien's does a bad performance, but I think the guests that they bring in on are so good that it kind of uh, uh, skews it slightly, in my opinion. So, but this is just to give an alternative opinion on it. I think it is a masterpiece. It's right, brilliant. Okay. Yeah, yeah okay. come on in. Let's get through. You've got like twenty of these. We're going to be here forever. If you, um, you the new Thrice record, I thought oh, was yeah, brilliant. Um, but no, no room. Uh, Olafur Arnolds. We recovered it a few weeks ago. Just in terms of that ambient kind of mm-hmm. stuff, it's just brilliant. That record, the Restorations album, LP five thousand. I think if it had been a little bit longer, it might have been in there. But it's like it's probably one of the only records this year that I've complained is too short. Mm. Um, this one hurt. Daughters, uh, daughters. That daughters record is again clearly a masterpiece, but it's so abrasive and difficult to listen to. I just don't listen to it very much, and I just couldn't justify putting in a record which I've probably heard. 12 times because I just can't bring myself to listen to it most of the time <laughs> even though I think it's brilliant um, mm. so yeah um, that Sylvain record Atoms Aligned yeah, Coming good. Undone really good, yeah. just a really good example of that sort of solo female black yeah. metal thingy but it's just really good Seal uh, and Arda Stranger Fruit <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, amazing album uh, and I went on about how great those songs are at seeing at the show a few weeks ago. Um, but I just think it's a bit too long. But that's the sort of thing you have to base it on when you're getting down to the best records of the year. Yeah. Um, finally, I'll just mention <clears throat> Bird and Row as well. Yeah, as you said, album, Bird yeah. and Row, that record, record really has grown on me. I was a bit I was a bit meh about it. I, I, I would like to go back uh, and, and say, apologise to Bird and Row because I just, I just hadn't, properly infiltrated the record at that point yeah and going back to it again and again it's fucking great but just missed out so let's go then all right um top 20 i'll start i guess because if we do me first then Everyone knows. My, my number one will be first <laughs> and there will be some sort of element of surprise when we get down to it um my number 20 you've already mentioned it and you've mentioned it being too short and kind of the brevity of it is one of the things that I find um, really, really appealing and oh, cool. uh, really uh, like seductive about this record. It is LP 5000 by Restorations, oh, a band who I hadn't even heard of until you brought them to my yeah, attention. Yeah. So thanks very much for You're that. You're very welcome. Um, They're just out and out today in London. Let's go. Have that. Yeah, oh, yeah, 100% going to go. I mean, I, I've gone back... Um, 
and I, I'd listened to kind of LP3 and um, I think that was one you gave me when we, yeah, we first kind of right. chatted about them and yeah. then Get it. and I thought, yeah, you know, they're they're decent. You know, this is this is good. I really love this record, though. I think every single it's seven songs long. It's to me, it's the classic example. There's another very very short album coming out later. This to me is a is a classic example of doing. It's not doing the bare minimum, but it's going. Everything here is great, and that really is should be all you need. I think. The song I, the final song on yeah. it, is one of the best songs of the year. It's wonderful. It's fucking incredible. They do that kind of... Um, I don't like to compare it to the Gaslight Anthem because I don't think... I don't think there is... The Gaslight Anthem are kind of melancholic, mm. but this to me feels really... Like when it, it feels really downbeat, there's a real kind of sorrow and darkness to it, which yeah. I think is far more appealing to me i think a large part of the reason for that comparison is geography similar similar that that makes sense similar to uh grunge not being a genre Mm. um and all those bands being from seattle i think they're both new jersey bands and it's kind of restorations are they're a tricky band to what what are they they're kind of heartland rock but kind of not but kind of yeah it's heartland rock but there is there's a real like i say there's a real kind of I don't get any kind of bitterness from the Gaslight Anthem. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Uh, you get a kind of, you get a sense of romanticised angst from the Menzingers. Mm-hmm. You get a sense of kind of uh, uber kind of bleeding heart romantic from the Gaslight Anthem. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like Brian Fallon is somebody who seems to see the good in everything. Yeah. And yeah, what yeah, I yeah. listen to this album and I feel like there's there's proper kind of heartache and there's proper bitterness in it. Mm. And I really like that there's, I've not heard many of these bands that can bring a a kind of, a bit of spite to it. Mm. And I feel like the thing I like about this record is there's, the the songs are incredible Mm. and there's proper like beneath the surface, there's this kind of veneer of like Heartland Rock that is, that you have to penetrate to get to like the real kind of darkness to it. Mm. And it's taken me, a lot of listens to it to kind of realize that but now that i do it gives me so much more like when i first heard it i thought this is really good at this point i'm like this properly speaks to me so yeah restorations lp 5000 there's actually a lot of elements to restoration as well as well like you know the psychedelic psychedelia in there and stuff like that and they have three guitarists uh which isn't common in that kind of heartland rock kind of thing and like um yeah i think they are kind of more difficult to penetrate than a lot of those other bands that Mm. you've mentioned but the rewards are so much greater i I do like i do think i do prefer them to the likes of gaslight and menzingers and that's a really hard shout because i love both of those bands but i think ultimately restorations are just more rewarding so yeah they're very very good record i'm so pleased Um, that's that's my number 20 to kick us off okay what what about yourself i'm gonna go in a slightly different direction here um and um i believe off the top of my head and excuse me if this is incorrect but i believe this is the only instrumental record in my top 20 i'm amazed at that probably a bit of a surprise yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah so the thing is as i bang on about instrumental music bang that drum uh no vocals please but um night verses from the gallery of sleep i like that record actually. it's yeah, good just i mean when uh so night versus this is actually the third album but it's their first album which is instrumental mm. 
And when I've, I'm, I'm quite a big Night Versus fan. I think you less so. I think you've yeah. sort of come on board more with this record. But when I heard that um, Douglas Robinson, who was Night Versus vocalist, was leaving, I think there was a palpable sense for those who do love that band that kind of like, well, how's that going to work? Because Night Versus were effectively a post-hardcore band, really. Mm. Um, and... The fact that not only does it work, but they've kind of expanded out even further and have, like, it's all. I don't. I don't want to in any way suggest that they were shackled by Douglas Robinson because I actually think he's a very good vocalist. Um, but with him being taken away, it seems to have freed the band up to be able to do whatever the hell they want to do. And now you have this kind of hybrid of post-hardcore and mm-hmm. prog rock um and it's performed on such an amazing scale and such an amazing i think the difficulty with music that is very technical is i mean i've discussed this quite a bit it can be very machine like and feel like that it's you know being put in and every beat is hitting exactly at the bar and st- on the bar and stuff like that this record does feel like three human beings are playing in a room. I mean, mm. whether whether it was recorded like that or not, or not, I don't know. But it sounds like it's on the edge of falling apart at any moment. But the technical level of what they're doing is so extraordinary. Yeah, it's stunning, the shit that they do. I mean, yeah. It really, it's like, I, I like that album a lot. And it's definitely my favourite Night Versus album. I think yeah. I'm, more, I'm still slightly more impressed with it than I am in love with it. Okay, that's fair but, enough. You know. That's fair enough. I think... Um, I think it's easier to fall in love with it, though, than a lot of that tech metal kind of stuff. I mean, inevitably, they probably will get on tech metal bills and stuff like that, but yeah. I do think they're quite different. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, it never, ever feels like they're just wanking off. No. It never feels like they're just trying to show off. You know, if you take a riff, there's this crazy whammy bar riff in um, Phoenix 4, Leviathan, uh, which it just sounds like it's going to fall apart any second but it never does and it's that knife edge that they balance which makes it so brilliant i think that's an extraordinarily difficult thing to achieve i can't think of many other technical like technic metal records that have achieved that um and also having your own voice and having your own sound as an instrumental band is very very difficult and i think night verses have pulled that off the first time they've tried it yeah so it's um yeah it's an incredible record right okay so that's night versus what's it called again from the gallery of sleep from the gallery of sleep that's your number 20 right my number 19 um was one i thought this would be higher actually but again such is the quality of, of what this year has ended up being that um one of my favorite i think i actually bumped pig destroyer for this and uh. it's weird because pig destroyer's album is definitely there's more going on in the Pig Destroyer album, mm-hmm. but Mantar, the modern art of setting ablaze, okay. is what I've gone for as my number 19. Um, German two-piece death metal band, absolutely willfully ferocious. Like, this is what I, I think there's, in terms of sheer, like, white-hot spite and proper, like, just disgusting riffing i think this might be the best album at doing that of the entire year you said but it's also really fun yeah yeah and and you said when we when we reviewed it that you didn't think there was a lot of um 
kind of le- dexterity to it or a lot of like levels to it or even a lot of le- you said that it was kind of fairly one paced and I think that's mm. fair as a criticism mm-hmm. but I just think when they are it's so good like they are so good at just doing that one thing it's like this kind of um, like black metal death metal ACDC mm. like yeah, yeah, every yeah. song just feels so great Motorhead was talked a lot Motorhead well, obviously it? yeah Motorhead and Venom and yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know like that is the kind of thing that we're talking about here and there's nothing particularly new about it it's unrefined it's nasty it's gnarly it's gross it, it's but it's fucking catchy and the, it's the amalgams maybe not new but it's not uh usual is it to have that nastiness with that fun so maybe maybe uh, yeah yeah i I see what you mean and and let's let's make sure people are aware that fun comes with a pretty fucking big asterisk yeah yeah. like you have to want to have the sort of fun that 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 you and i want to have when you're talking about this stuff because this album is a is a is a, a bleak quagmire of like absolute hatred and when you think you know like there are there are bands like anal nathrak and pig destroyer <laughs> who have released albums that haven't got in and I'm putting this one in kind of ahead of them and I think in terms of in terms of technicality in terms of songwriting in terms of musicianship and in terms of like I guess just ambition for writing a, a, a an album with lots of different levels to it I think those <laughs> I think those two are are kind of streets ahead of this but mm. I just don't think you can argue with the sheer it speaks to that reptilian cold-blooded part of you this album it speaks to the reptilian cold-blooded part of you certainly it's uh, oh my god it absolutely <laughs> does yeah i just like you know i i just want to i just want to crush when this album comes on it has been the uh, when i'm in a bad mood this year which has been quite, quite a, lot. a lot to be perfectly <laughs> honest um when i've been in a really bad mood and i you, you go to the gym and you just want to like fucking lift heavy things up and then put them down this is the album that i put on right. and that's why i'm looking so buff rim free because i've been <laughs> I mean, I didn't want to say, but... I mean, you know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> you can see it in my eyes. Um, so anyway, I just think this is brilliant. It's 12 songs. It's fucking... It never outstays its welcome for me. I think it's... I think it is the... It is the hate-fueled album of the year. Cool. Nice. Put that on a poster. Yeah. Uh, that's The Modern Art of Setting a Blaze by Manta. That's my number 19. What's your number 19, Renfrey? My number 19. You mentioned them a couple of times in that review. Uh, it's A New Kind of Horror by Anal Nathrak. Ah, sweet. Unbelievably, Anal Nathrak were a band who I obviously was aware of before um, before this year. But I never actually sat down and listened to a whole record. And uh, I had this idea of them. I had this idea that they were something that they are not, basically. Mm. Um, I, since hearing this record, and it came out quite late in the year, um, I've basically picked up like half of their back catalogue and I think they're fucking amazing. Yeah, good on <laughs> um, Not only, but I, I, whether it was because this was the album that I was introduced to them on or not, I do kind of think this is the nadir of what they have done. Um it is an it's album, yeah, and and you know, looking at the internet, um, that does not seem to be a popular opinion. But I think, just in terms of the the, the sheer level of extremity, I feel like they've been going for about twenty years almost, and I just don't think they 
I think they've got to a level where they're achieving things that they could not achieve 20 years ago. Um, if you listen to a song like Forward, which I kind of consider the 21st century of uh, 21st century version of Disposable Heroes by Metallica, you know, it's basically you know, like some people have dismissed it as like, oh, Skrillex meets black metal or whatever. But the thing is, is the electronic elements that are put into it are done so tastefully and it does genuinely sound horrifying, you know. And a lot of this record is about World War One. It's released to commemorate sort of the centenary of World War One ending. And I think in terms of art, I don't recall being as affected by an album about, about well, by, by a piece of art about war this much probably since I sat in a cinema at the age of 12 and watched the opening 25 minutes of Saving Private Ryan. I think when I actually sit down... Yeah, exactly. When you actually sit down and properly disseminate... Disseminate? That'll do. This album and pull it apart and see what the influences are and see what it's trying to say, um, I think it is genuinely scary because really what it is saying is we as humankind we're we're heading in the direction of repeating those mistakes especially with the world leaders that we have in power at the moment uh because it's just constantly comparing the past with what's going on right now Mm. um and i find that genuinely terrifying um in a way that i haven't been scared probably since watching (laughs) saving private ryan you know went three years under the age that i should have seen it um and the inspiration, I, I think some people would be kind of like an extreme metal album that's trying to pay homage to World War One because extreme metal can be, be very cartoonish sometimes yep. and very, they're not, and now not like, it, it celebrates the kind of the, 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 the downfall. It celebrates kind of mutilation and yeah. hatred and pain. Like it's supposed to be, a, it's a type of music which is traditionally, you know, we're just talking about the Manta album and a lot of that is like, you know just celebrating pain isn't it yeah yeah and 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 a lot of people might be like is that really the right format for um for 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 to to take in order to to talk about this this important stuff but Mm. the thing is is the inspirations that they use are actually things like wilfred owen and siegfried uh siegfried sassoon and dh lawrence um Philip Larkin, you know, it's mainly war poetry and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, I think that's brilliant. What yeah. a great way to subvert a, a sort of, you know, a, a, a genre. And yeah, a medium. exactly. And if you take, you know, Wilfred Owen's Dolce A Decora Mess, for example, that describes, you know, if you've done war poetry at A level, like I did, it describes a soldier choking on mustard gas, you know, trying to get his um, uh, gas mask on and failing, basically, and his, his, his comrades seeing him die you know who are like 19 Mm. it's really nasty and brutal and actually this is a this the sonics of this record i think do pay homage to that and 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 show you the, the the brutality of it without hiding away anything but i think it does it in an enormously respectful way and an enormously mature way which is nice to see in extreme metal i'm not in any way insinuating that extreme metal is childish or does have childish Mm. or whatever 
but there's certainly a perception that it does and in, in some cases it does you know yeah. if you look at the you know tomb of the mutilation by cannibal course or whatever i know that's death metal technically but like you know or like that cartoonish violence you know yeah. thing so i think that this is a really phenomenal um way to look at it for a band of that sort of extremity and it's genuinely terrifying this mm. record i think yeah they're a terrifying band they really are but anyway yeah, there you yeah. go that's your number 19 is it yeah number and 19. Nathrak, i forgot the name of it already um a new kind of horror that's it a new kind of horror um so my number 18 stain i think this is a little bit of an extreme metal um uh little uh cul-de-sac we found ourselves yeah. in because my my number 18 is the follow-up to one of the great albums of this millennium, I think. Uh, the Satanist by Behemoth. We've spoken at length about what a landmark that is. Tough thing to have to follow up. And really, let's be perfectly honest, no one could have ever expected Behemoth to follow up the Satanist with, uh, or topped the Satanist. That's an no. absurd thing to do. Mm. But what they did do with I Loved You at Your Darkest is make an album that kind of, celebrated their legacy and melded together all of the best things that Behemoth had done previously on The Satanist and on all of their earlier albums. I sort of said it when we did our review. I was like, you know, The Satanist is a very sonically different sounding record to the rest of Behemoth's back catalogue. Yeah, um, And the fact that they've managed to find a way to make songs that sonically occasionally dip into the same sort of territory as the Satanists have. And, and, and actually, you know, on something like Bartzabell, chuck enough stuff at the kitchen sink like they did on the Satanists and pull it off and yet go back a little bit as well to that furiously tight, taut, like bruising extreme metal kind of death metal sound that they had on on like Evangeline or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and do it with songs that you think will probably work. I mean, they're playing the forum in January. I know. Brilliant. And those songs, oh, is it February? Okay. So they're doing a UK tour of very, very sizable venues. Yeah. The forum's 2000 cap for those. Ludicrously sized venues. When you consider just how extreme Behemoth are as a band. Yeah. (laughs) 2000 people they've got to play in front of, you know, and it's a tough thing to get that, right in front of that amount of people. Do you know what I mean? Like they've mm. been touring with Slayer in arenas. So they've got to be able to, you know, I, I can't imagine, I know they don't tour, but Dark Throne mm-hmm. going over well in an arena or in at the forum. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen Cannibal Corpse at festivals and stuff and it's always great. And Cannibal Corpse are a groovy, you know, you, you, um, they might not be a particularly good example of that actually because there's a chance that Cannibal Corpse are quite catchy. I was but they, say, don't, yeah. they don't kind of, they don't really put on much of a show. And extreme metal has always been a thing where, you know, particularly in death metal, there's not much in terms of showiness. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. another one, I saw Emperor at Bloodstock earlier this year mm. and it was, the music was really good, but did it really translate brilliantly in front of a crowd full of a huge crowd of people and in a field? Not necessarily. Right. But Behemoth will. And Behemoth have made an album which kind of manages to meld hard rock. And you mentioned fun with the Mantar album. I mean, weirdly, because this album isn't, it's fucking, like, I think it's nowhere near as serious a record. I don't want to say that it's fun. I just think The Satanist was such a serious record. With mm. this kind of revels and delights in its arcane, satanic, 
like imagery. Do you know what I mean? It mm. loves it. You can tell. When you talk about, um, you know, there's been interviews with Nurgle <laughs> saying that he wants to make dog food um, yeah. made out of like, what is it? Is it going to make special like... Isn't it vegan? Dog yeah, food? vegan dog yeah. food for like shaped like a crucifix or something. Yeah, I can't yeah. remember exactly what he said. But anyway, like he's obviously up for like pissing people off and he knows if he's going to do that, he's got to do it in... To, to huge large crowds of people and this might be kind of the first ever or certainly one of the first ever extreme metal party starting records like do you know yeah. what i mean it it's i think it's a if this had come out before the satanist people would be talking about it like it's a genuine kind of landmark moment i mm. i honestly think that but because the bar i mean it's an eight and a half pushing nine for me definitely probably a nine to be fair i think all of it's great um you can put if you can put a fucking children's choir in your music and it's not shit then you deserve some serious credit yeah that's a tough thing to pull off yeah i think it's fucking brilliant the only reason i, th- I feel that people have gone yeah it's good is because what came before it mm. is so phenomenal one-off like there'll be another album i'm sure you probably know what i'm talking about that suffers from a similar thing that it's mm. coming after something that you just can't follow up mm. and to to be able to have done what behemoth have done i think is is brilliant i think it's a brilliant record i think the themes of that album are brilliant as well in the sense that the more you look into them we discussed um when the god equals dog video came out yeah the whole children's choir thing and like uh-huh. yeah you can just see it as a children's choir or you can see it as like I will not forgive thee, Jesus, because, you know, a bunch of, there's been a bunch of stuff in the Catholic Church and stuff where um, uh, people have been taking advantage of their position and basically raping choir boys and so on and so forth. And when you look at it like that, it's kind of like, oh my God, there's so many layers to this record and there's yeah. a lot of that through it. Yeah, there really um, is. Um, so yeah, another great, I mean, they don't really make bad albums, but I think this one no. in particular is uh, is... It's fucking awesome. I was so, surprised when I knocked it off. I have to admit, it's a brilliant album. Yeah, it's yeah, really great. Yeah. So I loved you at your darkest. That is Thank you, That mate. is my Thank number you. eighteen. Oh, that's the name of the record, right? Yeah, the name yeah. Of the record, yeah. Um, You're hard work at your darkest. I tell you, <laughs> not, not feeling that at all. <laughs> oh, that's a nice insight for people. Um, um, well, uh, funnily enough, the uh, my number eighteen is um, called Only Love. Uh, by the armed, ah, which right, cool. I think is probably something which you could um, you could take into your heart personally if you Thank want you, to mate. see me at my darkest all the time. Um, the armed are an extraordinary band, um, yeah, and they are not talked about in massively mainstream circles or that much mainstream rock and metal circles i should say because this band aren't getting in queue um (laughs) i love no one knows who the armed are really and i really like that about them no one knows kind of like um their identity or anything like that uh kurt baloo is pretty much responsible for for recording all of their output i believe certainly the majority of it so there's a you know this was done at god city studios which is his studio and all that kind of thing but there's this big kind of mystery to the arms but the fact that people don't even talk about that because normally that would be like a massive selling you know an on uh anonymity anonymity in uh music is so often kind of like (gasps) nobody knows who they are but the thing with the arms is that's the least impressive interesting thing about them yeah uh because musically they i mean (sighs) this album sounds like chaos colliding with chaos 
bounces around the room like a hyperactive child who's just eaten a factory of orange smarties which then bursts in a ball of chaos it's just it's chaotic is what it's i'm trying very, to say very chaotic it's unbelievable and when you first listen to, it's definitely an album which you need to listen to a few times because when you first listen to it it can be a little bit white noisy uh in terms of like just what the hell is going on here because there's layers upon layers upon layers upon layers there's electronics there's like female vocals male vocals there seems to be a different singer on practically every single song but what's crazy about this record is at its heart it's a pop album the melodies on this record once you find them and it does take a little while but once you find them it's that thing of like you're in the kitchen and you're putting together spaghetti carbonara or something like that and then suddenly you're singing this melody and it's like where the fuck is that melody from and it sounds really <laughs> sunshiny and poppy and you realize it's from the arms record but you don't recognize it because it's so buried under all sorts of like weird noises and crazy things that are going on i mean it's a noise art rock hardcore record i suppose yeah it's hard work mate yeah it is hard work yeah Yeah. but that's what i like the rewards (laughs) rewards, yeah the rewards are just astronomical and you know this is only it's technically their third album uh third album in 10 years because you know it, it feels like they have to put a lot of work into these kind of things but just the amount of places that they go and the sheer denseness of this album. There is so much to it. Yeah. It will keep rewarding for years and years and years and years. And I'm still, I've had it a little while and I'm still finding new things in it. I'm still finding bits that I'm like, fucking hell, that melody is massive. And I didn't ever really like pick up on that. And mm. it's just immense. And um, I never really hear anyone talking about them. And I actually think they're one of the most interesting explosive and original bands in hardcore in the world at the moment i think them daughters um i mean i struggle to think of many others who are kind of doing that sort of thing and pushing it into those kind of extremes to the point where you almost feel like maybe this is just a little bit ahead of its time at the moment Mm. maybe you Mm. know um but it feels like the arms are going to be people are going to look back at the arms and just go fuck how did we miss that you know because it's so so because it because it requires a lot of work but once you've got in there it's just so worth it it's brilliant this album i think it's an absolute masterpiece so there you go number 18 yeah the armed i've forgotten the name of the album again only love which is what you need in your life steve well i feel like it's got a bit heavy for the last few isn't it yeah it's been a lot of like brutal shit so i'm gonna mix it up my number 17 uh, is the opposite of that, but is many many things. Uh, it is lamp lit prose by the Dirty Projectors. Oh, nice! Now I didn't know anything about Dirty Projectors when we sort of started this podcast. We both made a point of going, let's go into other territories and other areas that we haven't usually been forced into going to really because both of us like pop music and both of us like kind of alternative indie music more mainstream music music that sounds nice and i just happened (laughs) believe it or not yeah believe it or not the last half an hour and the day projectors uh just had this album out and i didn't really know anything about them and listened to it and sort of went oh i'm not sure the first few times but by this point I'm just so fucking in on this record. I am just so like, I'm such a fucking nerdy white boy 
like Funkster. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I made the comparison with Midnight Vultures by Beck, which is a Beck album that a lot of people kind of sneer at and I think mm. is kind of critically derided mm. as a record but mm. i fucking love it i love beck pretending to be prince it's you know I, fucking brilliant I, i'm not trying to be facetious here but the dirty projectors also reminds me of the armed because they are both enormously dense records they are yeah and, and the, the, like there is not there's probably not another record on this entire list where every single song sounds so Un, kind of it's so different from the others yeah you're probably right and I, and I think you know like when I first heard it I thought it's got a bit of that vocoder kind of modern yeah. technology like um, production to it which I find quite difficult to deal with not not to the same extent as the 1975 no 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 nowhere near as much nowhere near as much but I, and the first few I think are, are very good but really for me it's when you get to I Feel Energy which is just such a fucking tune mm. like I Feel Energy is just this gloriously uplifting brilliant kind of popping funked up modern like um I don't even really know how else to describe it. It's just like, it is this kind of modern white kind of nerd funk. Do you know what I mean? It's like indie nerd funk for like <laughs> geeks. And it's it's so great. And then you've got like Zombie Conqueror straight afterwards, Bluebird, that full like Beatles, absolutely fucking glorious, like magical mystery tour style Beatles, like yeah. uplifting yeah. sunny melodies. And, you know, I was listening to this in the summer, like all kind of, I guess, towards the end of the summer when it came out and I was like yeah this is great and it sounds great it's a in, summer in record the summer. it's a proper it? yeah, summer yeah, record yeah. but it really um, it really does still put a spring in your step like a song like I Found It In You just puts a properly puts a spring in my step when I hear it and it's so varied and the you know when the horns come in on it and when you hit you know like and I think like David Longstreth, we spoke last week about Will. Um, sorry, what's his surname from Car Seat Headrest? Toledo. Will Toledo, yeah, from Car Seat Headrest, and how he's a kind of single-minded genius. Yeah, uh, and I think David Longstreth has got a bit of that as well. But like I think I said last week, he seems to be somebody who just really, really wants to make you happy. Yeah, and I totally get that throughout this whole album. It really, it's, it's a, it's a fucking hug of a record. Yeah. Having spoken about Behemoth and Mantar and now Nathrak and the armed and all these albums yeah. that are just about like pushing you away and going fucking leave me alone like fuck off and even when they're fun they're still like do you know what would be fun me spitting in your face would be fun <laughs> this is like you know like me me headbutting you on the bridge of your nose that sounds like fun doesn't it and you go i guess so oh. we're in some weird shit yeah, then, yeah but um but this is not that. This is fun in the traditional sense. Yeah. And it's really like, you know, for people who go like, oh, mainstream pop and stuff like I this should be massive. It's interesting. It should be massive because it's, it's interesting. It's interesting indie music, isn't it? You it know, really is. If yeah. your if your idea of indie music is it's all like four four and ploddy ploddy and verse chorus, verse chorus, the one listen to this album will put you right. I mean I think I said at the time it was like flaming lips meets Beck meets Beyonce. Yeah. Yeah, and that's like bits accurate. of Michael Jackson and stuff. It's like it, it's great to feel like uh, I don't know it, to hear kind of people pulling from from like modern R and B pop music and putting it in sort of our territory mm. Mm. and doing it really well mm. and making it because you know like I don't particularly want to like I respect Beyonce and whatever but I don't particularly want to listen to it like personally. Mm. Mm. But this like you know it's for me. I'm a 38 year old white dude who lives in 
like historic Royal Greenwich. Do you not feel all the single ladies is not for you? Uh, not as much. Wow, interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's a good song. I, but like, I, I hear that song is, and I go, this is for me. Yeah, this yeah, is I'm, for me. I'm sure you do. <laughs> um, <laughs> but all the single ladies are for you, Redbury. Oh, that's all nice of you to say. You, that yeah. is not that's not the experience I've had, <laughs> um, but that's nice of you to say. Yeah, no. I'm, well, I'm letting, if you are a single lady out there, uh, then um, do deliver yourself. We'll give Renfrey's uh, address out at the end. Uh, yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, big, big postal delivery of lovely single girls for you Renfrey. God, I don't know whether to be excited by that um, or, or, or just edit or it out d- edit it out yeah possibly <laughs> um, alright cool well um, anyway I'm looking look, forward dirty, to that yeah Dirty Projectors number 17 uh, Lamp Lit Pros and you're always bringing up the sexy stuff so you can't get all coy on me you're always talking about wanking and fingering all uh, that and getting your <laughs> willy out and coming on people's faces and you can't having sex with my cat you can't now get all coy about it I think the end I, of the I, year. I, I just I, I kind of feel how 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 do these ladies feel about being posted to me i mean i, I don't want to you know put anyone out or uh uh, uh i'm think i'm thinking about the the poor single ladies i mean if the sing, you know you're a lovely man <laughs> I'd be lucky to have you. Shall we move on? <laughs> yeah. um, Number 17, Renfrey. Uh, yes, um, we are firmly out of uh, extreme metal cul-de-sac now because um, I am taking us into sort of bizarre proggy odyssey world. Yeah. Um, inevitably, um, Mike Vennart released an album this year and inevitably he was going to be in it because I think he's the best British musician of all time. Mm. Um, and um, his, his new solo record... To Cure a Blizzard Upon a Plastic Sea, his second record uh, under the name Venart, is a uh, brilliant example of an album that just keeps giving the more you get into it. It's um, less of an immediate beast than his uh, first solo album, The Demon Joke, Um, but effectively he's still doing stuff that no one else really does in that he's writing music, which is essentially pop prog um that requires two left feet to dance to basically you know um and i had a really long hard think about it i can't really think of anyone else who's trying to do that i mean i don't know if that's what he's trying i think that's just sort of what naturally comes out you know um mike's probably just trying to re rewrite cardiac's albums all the time but then he this pop prog thing comes out you know um and it's such a diverse interesting unique record you have like hypnotic ethereal textures which rub up alongside fuzzed up guitars and those interwine with funky bass lines which rumble under like mechanized choruses of discontent you know yeah that's right um <laughs> i'm sounding very as soon as i say discontent i think of shakespeare i don't know what it's that yeah. it's that we three blah 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 um it's a smorgasbord of interwining patterns motifs and melodies that are unique to the finely attuned musical mind of Mike Vennar. And if that sounds like I'm reading from a press release, it's because I am, but I wrote the press release, so I'll do what I damn fucking well like. Wow. <laughs> um, I, and it's just, I, I can't think of another record that sounds like it this year. You know, it's, uh, it's um, a really unique journey. I mean, Immortal so- Soldiers, it sounds like this really fuzzed up space prog epic that detours into this sergeant pepper era beatles-esque middle eight before concluding with this epic coda that sounds like a star imploding you know or you've got that's not entertainment which rides on this fantastic bass line and a chilling organ before these horns come in that lift 
you delicately to this really melodic earworm of a chorus. I like that song. Yeah, yeah. If that's not entertainment, it's a fucking wonderful song. Basically just about his friend doing too much, too many drugs mm. <laughs> in inappropriate times and places, you know. Um, it's about you. <sighs> <laughs> um, I made a connection which, uh, obviously, m- m- part of my... Um, part of the whole reason that I set this podcast up in the first place is it was to get you into Oceanside, Steve. And uh, <laughs> on my ongoing journey, it occurred to me that um, Venart shares quite a lot of comparisons with failure, I think. Yeah, it's not a bad, you know, shout. And the reason why I say that is because I feel like Venart and failure both focus on the sonics of a song as a whole. Mm. Um, it's rarely about a riff or a vocal line. It's about how lots of interwining, interlocking pieces fit together to create a sonic maelstrom of sound and brilliance. And um, yeah, I only made that connection a few days ago. But Failure and Van Art have a lot in common, I think, in that sense. I don't think they sound alike necessarily, but... No, definitely not. But, but they're, you know, and I don't even know, I have no idea if Mike's a Failure fan or vice versa or whatever, but... That occurred to me the other day, and I was like, anything I can throw at Steve to be like, ocean size, ocean size. Yeah, all right, um, I'll, we'll get around to it one day. <laughs> but yeah, I didn't mind that this record. I, I, you know, I wasn't mad on it, to be honest. But I should probably, maybe should go back and listen to it. It probably would be better with a few repeats. It's things. under, like, no, I don't think any records Mike's ever worked on doesn't require a few listens. But like, um, he actually, I'll just finish by saying that, like, um, when I was talking to him about the records, um, he said, um, any record that you can determine to be commercial suicide is probably a career highlight in my book. And I think people who That's cool. have that attitude should be celebrated in music because they will their natural default will be doing something different and something interesting. And that's exactly what we want to big up on this podcast. Yeah. So Yeah, decent. So there you go, Venart. It's called Sailing on the Oh, to cure a blizzard to upon cure... a plastic sea. It's yeah. taken me nine months to actually get that title right. Right, okay. Well, that's your number 17. Yes. This is my number 16. My number 16 and my number 15 actually are the battle for the best debut album of 2018. Ooh. And it came down to these two. And getting the silver medal for me of the best debut of 2018 is Aerozone by Vane. Now, I have been a long-standing champion of Vane. You uh, have. I, when that split with Gift With God, which I now believe is called something else, but... Um, oh, is it? Yeah. Um, when that came Probably out... Probably not like daisies and pansies or something. <laughs> Definitely not. Um, when that came out, I thought, fucking hell, here is a band who sound like in six minutes they've written more interesting stuff in hardcore than 95% of the bands in hardcore do in an entire career. And they're about, they're about 19. There's an 19 album. Oh, they're young. Yeah, they're sake. young as fuck. There's an album's worth of ideas in that Yeah, in six EP. minutes. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's fucking brilliant. So I was ready to, I was ready to go when I heard this album was coming out. Um, did it live up to the hype? Just about for me. Just about. Like, it's brilliant. Don't get me wrong, this album is fucking brilliant. It's in here ahead of Behemoth and Mantar and, you know, like mm-hmm. all other bands that I've wanged on about all year. So it's really, really, really fucking good. 
Um, I love that it sounds like a mashup of Jesus, lots and of Muhammad. Things. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> a mashup of Jesus and Muhammad. <laughs> You'll have that. Um, no, mate, it's it's hardcore. It's poison the well. It's glass jaw. It's got a bit of quicksand. It's got a bit of death tones. It's got obviously people will make that Slipknot comparison yeah. because the drums, particularly on Virus Vibrance, the first song, the drums and that drum and bass bit is so eyeless by Slipknot. Yeah. Like obviously it is. It's really really obvious. But I think there is far more to this record than just new metal bounce and Slipknot comparisons. I I, I hear fucking here. That mm. I think the the one thing that has been bugging me about um people talking about this record is a lot of people just going. Um, um, ah, well, it's just new metal meets hardcore, really. And it's like, well, you've clearly only listened to the first song. Yeah. Um, y- yeah, there's 10% of the record's new metal. Yeah. But there's another 90% there where there's f- everything that you have just said. Yeah, so, yes. it's got a real good... Um, uh, there's it, It's Trust Kill Records mixed with Revelation Records mixed with, like, yeah, Roadrunner Records. Yeah. Uh, it feels like everything good in heavy music from 1998. And that sounds like a kind of, like I'm going, oh, that sounds old. What I mean is all the stuff that I grew up really, really loving from the age of about 17 to about 22. And like I say, Quicksand, Glassjaw, Poison the Well, Deftones, Slipknot, Amen, um, uh, Poison the Well, uh, Unearth. Like that it's all in there like it's all in this record and something like broken glass complexion is two minutes and 26 seconds long and in two minutes and 26 seconds they do as much as like i say as much as some hardcore bands manage in an entire career Mm. that song's fucking amazing like there is so much on this record which is fucking amazing i reckon if they do because the thing is, it's very different from the split EP, which I was like completely and completely in very different. Yeah, I, I agree. Different. Well, there's. I think there's like weirdly, there's a lot more to it, but I think actually they could almost focus right in because mm-hmm. there's. They. I. I think. I actually think they're better at being savage and melodic than they mm. are being bouncy. I reckon mm. if they. I reckon if I actually think the kind of the new metal bits are probably the least interesting parts of it i think you might be right actually i think i probably agree with you so i reckon the second vein album you know this is their debut record and people already go well is it as good as jane doe is it as good as forever is it as good as perseverance and And it's like well none of which are debut records exactly yeah exactly so i don't think we should be judging vein on this record in comparison with bands who are the classic like hardcore bands four albums down the line yeah they could be to me, they're the only band who who they, they are Deftones to Code Orange's Corn. That's what how I feel, right? Mm. Yeah, <laughs> so what's that? That's you've got a face on there, Andrew. My my main face was like, don't don't discredit Code Orange by comparing them to Corn. But yes, I'm saying that Code Orange. <laughs> yeah, Code I know Orange what you're saying. Fir- Corn were there first, and <laughs> yeah, Code yeah, Orange. Yeah. Code yeah, Orange yeah, are yeah. there first. Like, yeah. let's not. Yeah, 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 yeah. Code I'm, Orange are fucking you know, ground zero for yep. this new scene of stuff for, for as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. They are the band that everyone will cotton on to. And that they're, in 10 years time, when people say about the kind of late tens, mm-hmm. hardcore mm-hmm. revival, Code mm-hmm. Orange will be the first band on everybody on the, on the tip of everyone's tongue. And that'll be like, when you think of new metal, first band to pop into your head of corn, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, when yep. you think of grunge, the first band to pop into your head, 
for most people are going to be Nirvana. Mm -hmm. yep. And I think that's what Code Orange are. So that's the only reason I say it. I could say Code Orange and Nirvana and Vayner, you know, Pearl Jam. <laughs> You're just trying to appease me then. No, 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 I'm not. <laughs> yeah, I know. Just, yeah, no, do you know I what I mean? Exactly. I, I agree. I, think, I, agree. I'm being, I think yeah. Vayner, the only band who will get in touching distance. Because there's been some really fucking good records that have come out of that scene. Jesus Peace album I was going to say was Jesus Peace. Yep, yep. Um, and um, Harm's Way album was really good yeah, as well. I was ho-hum about Harm's Way, I have to admit. Mm. But yes, I, I accept I seem to be the only one who's yeah. ho-hum And, you know, we spoke about bands like Leached. Leached, fucking uh, great. Who are fucking great. And, you know, there's a, there's a lot of bands that have come out this year that are doing that sort of thing, which is very heavily, clearly very heavily influenced by Code Orange. The only one, I think, who you can really look at and go, yeah, they might be able to do something as good is is Vane. And uh, yeah, and that's why it's my, but it's not the best debut of the year, but it's my number 16. Okay. And that's Aerozone by Vane. I agree wholeheartedly with everything that you said there, as I shall discuss next week. Oh, yeah. Little, little tease there. Um, but... I think my number 16 might be your number 15. Right. So if that's the case, shall we just both wang on about how brilliant Maya is by Conjurer? Let's do that. Because that is, that am is I my right? number 15, yes. Fantastic. Okay. Um, we both got... Um, <laughs> shall we take a break? Whilst... No, no. Carry on. Okay. So Bonjour is just crawling all over the place and crawling all over my notes, uh, which is fine. Um, we both got uh, Condra's debut EP one. It's either one or I. I'm yep. assuming it's one because that makes the most most more sense, it doesn't it? Um, and um, I think both liked it very very much. Yeah, but good. very much saw it as kind of like definitely not the finished article, but the potential mm. in this band is massive. Blah blah blah. The fact that they then drop uh, Maya what 18 months later or whatever it is and it is as definitively phenomenal as it is is was just mind-blowing mm. and the fact i mean they they keep saying the conjure guys keep saying oh yeah we wrote all the material all at the same time bloody liars uh, <laughs> <laughs> absolute out and out liars um no, the sort I mean, of thing someone who likes cardi b would say <laughs> um but it's, I just think it's interesting in that, like, they've gone for the more kind of expansive and, I suppose, progressive material for the record, which was a yeah. smart move. I mean, that's what you want to do. You, your EP, you want to just come out of the, come out of the, you know, come out and set its stall out immediately. Whereas the um, the album is really expansive. It's got sludge elements, doom, hardcore, bit of black metal in there, some death metal. The way that Brady and Dan um, play off of one another, both in terms of their guitar and uh, vocals, is just absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. Um, Wretch. Every time Wretch comes in, uh, which is like the fourth track on the record, I think, it just feels like... It feels like someone's just injected adrenaline into my eyeballs. Um, it just the way that... I mean, that, that like... That that's yeah snare. yeah yeah that just the way snare. that it like, comes Jan, in Jan like, needs a lot of credit like, he's a hell of a drummer Jan is you know the video to Wretch is this really awesome 360 degree um, uh, thing so you could you, it's just them playing in a practice space um, but you can like look at any member that you want and I have the amount of times I've watched that video and just watched Jan playing that song through 
It's unbelievable. He is a phenomenal drummer. Masturbate that, really. <laughs> <laughs> My lawyer will speak for me. Um, <laughs> yeah, Thanks, uh, to kind of like echo everything you've said, yeah, I think they are certainly one of the most improved bands when you, you think back to that kind of early material I also saw them live a couple of times I always thought they were really really fucking good live um, and I didn't think obviously on the EP I, you know I like the EP but I just thought watching them live I was like they've got they, there's a very good chance that there could be an album in there which is as good as we hoped it was I think we all knew there was potential but it's just stunning that that potential has been really realised this quickly well the reason I put them here above Vane Mm-hmm. is because as I said I think Vane not that I don't think Conjure could top this record because I think they I think they can but I look at Vane and I go you definitely will do something better next time mm. you definitely will and you know like that that new metal element is great it's exciting to see that in hardcore and it's exciting to see that kind of coming through but like I said I don't think it's necessarily the best part of it whereas Conjurer they get everything right the dynamics yeah. they get right, the bits yeah. when they go fast and when they go hard, they get it so right. When they build and they do that kind of mastodony, gojirary, neurosisy, post rock thing, it's crushing in, in in the same way as the very very best of that genre managed to do it. Like we said, when they do, you know, the the more hardcore those that snare, you know, yeah. could come straight out of the most savage hardcore band yeah like you know when they when they when they really like kind of tear it up mm. and go for the kind of death and black and death metal thing you know like they can go from sounding like neurosis at their grandest to trap them at their their brutalist in kind of a flick of the switch that's very good and yeah that is like i always you know i've said it i've, I've said it since the day i started doing any kind of music journalism if you get those dynamics as far apart from each other as possible yeah and you can really really but you can command both sides yeah. if it's like a seesaw isn't it like yeah. The, dyna- yeah the dynamics are like a seesaw and if you can if you can balance that seesaw perfectly like that i think is one of the most for me is one of the most exciting things in music and is one of the most difficult things to do in music and conjurer i just think it's so not only is the songwriting great it's just so and is the production sounds great and it's just perfectly perfectly pitched if you like heavy music mm. if you just like really fucking heavy music this is like a godsend this yeah, album yeah it is yeah 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 absolutely like it's got literally got everything you want from it it's like you know I like the Manti album it's pure fucking spite mm. for 12 tracks but this, it takes you on a far greater journey. Well, that's the thing. The uh, You mentioned Neurosis. Um, I kind of feel that Chondra are, have the sonic devastation of a Neurosis, but the ambition of a Mastodon. Mm. Um, and that is a really toxically brilliant mix. Uh, and the fact that, yeah, and you've already said it in a way, that like they get everything right. It's difficult to it's difficult to know how Condra could have made this album better. Um, this set of songs, these um, changes and dynamics and changes of pace and all that kind of thing, it's difficult to know how you could have improved this batch of songs yeah. and to have achieved that on their debut album. And the flow of the record, again, this goes back to your dynamics 
what you were saying about dynamics, but that makes the flow of this album so brilliantly seamless. It's only seven tracks, the album, but it is actually 50 minutes long, or yeah, yeah, th- thereabouts. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does feel... It at once feels short, but epic at the same time because it goes to so many different places it feels like a really grand ambitious statement but you know the moment it's over you're just like right i want to press play on that again you yeah. know it's it's a, it's a phenomenal piece of work and who would have thought that such arrogant pricks could make such incredible music um <laughs> I don't know why we're so mean we to Conjure. We're mean as fuck to Conjure. <laughs> uh, I, think, I think we're mean to them because they're actually four of the nicest blokes I've, yeah, I've ever encountered really... in, in heavy music. But for some reason, we're just cunts to them every week. Um, but I, th- I, th- I wonder if... I mean, I think it's part... Like, everyone, everyone loves this record. Yeah, they Everyone do. loves it. Yeah. Um, but there's good reason for that. Like, you just can't deny it i think it's a it's brilliant that it's been so well received this year yeah I'm, it's I'm, one of the most yeah. kind of warm fuzzy things you get when you get an album which genuinely does deserve to be lauded as this incredible debut record and yeah. you take this band who you know it was probably a year ago was it a year ago it was a year in a it was not a long time ago that i was watching them as the opening band opening for um Stephen Brodsky's um, Mutoid Man. Oh, no. Nice. The first band on, on a Sunday at the Boston Music Room, and there was maybe 15 people in there. Right. 15, 20 people in there. Yeah. And I remember thinking, fucking hell, they're amazing. Yeah. They were like the first band on. Yeah. And they were brilliant. They were complete. And, I, and that was when I went, I actually remember going, th- like going home and the next day getting up and emailing Merlin at Metal Hammer and going, just so you know. Yeah this is probably going to happen. Yeah, yeah. And I said, you need to like, you need to keep your eye on this, like seriously. I think they've always had it live. Mm. It was just, um, I think one, I mean, I, a lot of people said this, but I think I think one was recorded not brilliantly mm. uh, production wise, I think. Um, it feels like there's more to Maya than just that. I, I don't think it, the songs do, you know, I know they were written at the same time but they, they, they do feel more progressive and they do feel um, just, 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 just better. I don't know. They feel more epic, certainly. Um, but it is, it is an astonishing piece of work. And the fact that um, a band can come out with this as their first proper major release is uh, sickening, frankly. <laughs> um, but there you go. Yeah. yeah, they've done it. There you go. Anyway, that's my number 15 and your number 16. Yes. Which is uh, Maya by Conjurer. What is your number 15 then? Um, let's have another break from uh, uh, metals, shall we? Um, a band that I brought in for one of our uh, 12... Unsung Heroes. Unsung of Heroes. Of yeah, on episode one, that was. Yeah. All that, t- all that time ago. Um, Wildcat Strike. Uh, with yeah, the it's, brilliantly, it's a good record. brilliantly titled Rhubarb Nostalgia. Don't know what it means either. Um, I've never really heard a band try to mix Explosions in the Sky with Sunnydale Real Estate before. I don't think. And after hearing this album, I wonder why that has never happened before. Because it sounds pretty difficult to do. Probably, yeah. (laughs) You're probably right. But it sounds fucking great. Like the emotional heft 
of a Sunnydale real estate or a mineral or something like that with the epic structures and dynamics of a explosions in the sky or mono or mogwai or something like that um it's just so brilliantly expertly done and i think this album is more than the sum of its parts as a result um and again another debut totally ridiculous um i've rarely heard dynamics captured so expertly on record before quite easy to do live because obviously you have a lot more range to play with and you can you know you've got a massive fucking pa so you can do what you like in terms of dynamics but capturing dynamics on record is actually really difficult really really hard to get a sense of really quiet and then really fucking loud and the way that wildcat strike managed to do it i think by kind of riding on the subtlety and Mm. being quite being unafraid to be to be sort of um quiet for long periods of time and then when it does all come in in this huge cavalcade kaleidoscopic sound of just joy it it's amazing and it gets me every single time every single time it is a very good record and the kind of the small town i mean i think i've said it both when we reviewed the album and when you brought it in as a band to watch you know um i'm a social they're american yeah 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 because there's just something i don't know american bands just sound different i think even you know we were talking about basement last week and basement yeah. we only really compared them to jimmy eat world yep yep but yet there's still something quite british sounding about them mm. like a little bit maybe and, and they're one of the more american sounding bands i think british but but this i was so convinced and there's something about yeah like I don't know what it is, but there was something about them which really made me think that it was kind of small town Americana. I don't know if it's a whimsical element or yeah, something like yeah, that, maybe. maybe. Yeah. Um, I think um, Danny Byram, who's the vocalist, he has this wonderful way with words, which I haven't really talked about all that much, actually. But um, he's, you know, he is, he's very playful with his lyrics. So, like, there's words in Satellite Town, which is like uh, dropping a coin in the wishing well just to wish you well. And the bottom of heaven's just the top of hell and shit like this, you know. And like, if you get into the, like, they're actually really funny. I find myself laughing out loud a lot to this record. That's cool at the turns of phrases. Yeah, Yeah, the the turns of phrases on the whole record are brilliant. Like the last song, um, Another Round, is basically comparing spirits, as in alcoholic spirits, something I'm very passionate about, (laughs) to um, to like... uh, one's thoughts of dying and Jesus Christ and the Holy Ghost spirits and poltergeists and blah, blah, blah. And the wordplay within that, I mean, you need to hear the song really for it to work. It doesn't work me just reading it out. But this album is full of that kind of brilliant, wonderful interplay in terms of the lyrics and the words and stuff. Um, And it's a really um, cheerful record in a lot of ways. It sounds quite dour, quite a lot of it, but just in terms of the collaborative nature of it. Um, They recorded this down in Small Pond Studios down in Brighton, which is like a a communal kind of space where lots of bands record. And, you know, they would just end up inviting their friends to come on the record. You know, I'll play a bit of honky-tonk piano here, you know, do some backing vocals there. They got to a point where they had so many backing vocalists, they effectively gave them a choir. They called them the goddamn choir, gospel choir. Um, And it's members of like, lots of Brighton bands down there like Delta Sleep, Tall Ships, In Technicolor, blah, blah, blah. Mm. 
and but that feeling of community and something being put together by lots of people is on this record as well and it's quite infectious yeah um i just love it i've i've had it for most of this year and i i haven't stopped listening to it i think it's a beautiful beautiful record and it it works for me and it hits me every single time cool it's a good record. Yeah. I, I agree with everything you said. Uh, Rhubarb Nostalgia by Wildcat Strike. That's your number 15. My number 14. What I, want, I wanted this to be higher, to be honest, because I've got a long-standing... But it's not, you know. I've got a long-standing relationship with Palm Reader. And Braille, their third album, is their best album. Cool. It is. Um... I think looking at it objectively, it is. I had a big old thing. I love Bad Weather when it came out. I thought it was a great debut. Um, and, you know, particularly, um, you know, I remember hearing, uh, I remember hearing Besides the One We Love mm-hmm. and thinking, I'm not sure anyone can do that better than they've just done it. And so... I kind of wondered, and no one gave a fuck, and I kind of wondered like what they had to do as a band. Um, and I think what they've done is goes some way to doing what I think they ultimately will do. I think the reason this isn't higher, because I think it's a fucking great record. This is a great record. And when you listen to, I mean, particularly for me, where it really like earns it to go above stuff like Conjurer is Dorothy into clockwork into a lover a shadow when they start to do the thing which i think one day i genuinely believe palm reader have got a have got a worship and tribute or an antenna or uh i i'm i'm loath to go as far as to say a jane doe or a white pony or something like that or a leviathan or you know a magma in them but i do think I do think I, I, would, I would put worship and tribute above a lot of those records you've just said, but that's just an interesting difference between us. I suppose. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. well, fair. Um, but I, I do, I, I really do think there is an album in Palm Reader which people will look back on as a a landmark record. I don't quite think this is it, and I do weirdly think the last one was so good at doing that kind of British hardcore thing that was happening in the, you know, when you think of like the feed the rhino and the like like do you know what i mean when that was happening when besides the ones we love came out i was like that's I, that felt like a full stop for that sort of thing to me it was like there's no point anyone else trying to do that there's no point yeah. because they've done it to such a great standard but it's not musically as interesting as what they do on braille but i just think there's so much more to come from them but the first half of you know stuff like like a wave inertia i mean inertia the, the guitar tone on inertia I think is fucking amazing. I think this is the best production job they've ever had by an absolute country mile. I think it's the the broadest um, sense of melody they've ever had. The the most use of again dynamics. Um, everyone in this band is like Dan's an amazing drummer. Both Sam and Andy are both fucking brilliant guitar players and come up with really interesting ways to to crisscross each other's work. Um, Josh is a brilliant singer. Um, He writes really, really intelligent, heartfelt lyrics that clearly mean something very, very personal to him. And that's massively infectious. I would rather listen to someone talk about something and not quite really know what they're talking about, but feel like they mean every single fucking word they say. And his voice... 
this is something that's never been said about Josh before. He's not, you know, you think about, oh, he's got such a brutal voice, or that person's got a really amazing, soaring singing voice. He's not the best vocalist in the world, right? He can sing. He actually can definitely sing. And he can scream as well, and he can shout, and he's got he's got a roar on him. But he is not like when you think of someone like Chino Moreno, who has this like this fucking ridiculous ethereal, or someone like Mike Patton, who's blessed with a billion different voices in this incredible octave range. Josh doesn't really have that, but what he does have is an honesty and a personality to his voice, which sets him apart from so 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 many of the bands within this scene i think he's got an enormously distinctive voice really distinctive and i think you can um, hear every word as well yeah you can hear every word and i think in terms of the melodic singing this is probably the first record where he's really gone for that yeah and i think he's done a phenomenal job um as good as Chino and Patton? Sure, no, not yeah, qu- yeah, no. But you are talking about two of the best vocalists no, but, of all time. No, I mean, time. I only I only use them as a comparison sure, to say like sure. th- there are some people who are who are given a gift. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And I'm not, and and I don't think you can say he's necessarily one of those people. But I think what you can say is, I mean, he's far better than you know. We're talking about hardcore, and most people go on kind of ferocity alone mm. and he's got so much more to him as an actual vocalist i think that's a better way of putting it mm. he's got so much more to him as a vocalist than just sheer ferocity i think braille is an exciting i hope braille is an exciting start for josh becoming even better as a vocalist i hope this is just the beginning um and i think both chino and mike Patton. uh if you go back to Adrenaline or you go back to, well, the real thing is probably, well, Mr. Bungle might be the first time we heard Mike Patton. They most definitely got better as they went on. Yeah, of course. So, yeah. uh, I mean, I, I I feel like I'm I'm trying to say maybe one day he'll be a Chino Marino. I mean, you know, pr- pr- like who gets there? Not many people do, but... Well, even someone like uh, Jacob Bannon. I mean, is Jacob yeah. Bannon actually a particularly... You know, he's distinctive, but is he a good singer? Is he a good vocalist? I mean, he's certainly not when he was a kid. Like, I, I, certainly not when he was in his mid-twenties. I think he's obviously using his... He knows how to use his voice now. Mm. But Jake Bannon's someone who is, is built on the personality mm. that comes with... You don't listen to Jake Bannon and go, oh, he's got a four... Like that cunt from... <laughs> That what's his name? The bloke from Inglorious. You seen that thing on the internet? That guy from the singer from Inglorious is on some Andrew Lloyd Webber show going, I've got a four octave range. He's an absolute dickhead. He's, <laughs> some videos come out of him like okay. mouthing off. But anyway, um yeah. He's not that. But I I think live, I think uh Josh is better than Jacob. Live. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Which will please him uh, immensely. Oh, I so, yeah. <laughs> but like, I think, like, yeah, in live, I anyway, think Josh is a better vocalist. Yeah, I mean, yeah. this record is, is fucking brilliant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm really harsh on Palm Reader because everyone knows how much I like them. Mm. And I've been going on about them for years and years and years. So mm-hmm. I feel a little bit like I always have to, because t- people are going to go, well, you're going to say that, aren't you? Mm-hmm. People just think I'm going to go, well, yeah, you. Li- I love Palm Reader. People just think I'm going to be like, oh, well, he just he just loves them. And they're his, or they're his mates, or whatever. Like he's gonna fucking say nice things about them. I'm not. I'm saying it because it's true. Oh, the, that's the, 
the stuff you say about them off mic is really horrible. Yeah. Like nasty stuff. Nasty yeah. shit. Yeah. Um, I'm saying it because it's true. And I always feel like I have to temper it with a but. And I and and I don't, you know, like I believe they can make a record. I, I genuinely believe they can make a record that can top this. Like, I don't think, I, you know, I, I think like you rightly say, I think this is a path to something else. Mm-hmm. But what an exciting step in that direction. I mean, if this is not the finished article, mm. then imagine if when they do get it right. Because this album's fucking brilliant. Mm. Mm. It's fucking mm. brilliant. There's not a weak moment on this record and it's got so much diversity and I, I honestly, like, I can't think of another band from that scene who could make Braille. Yeah. They couldn't, could they? Agreed. Even the very, very best ones. I mean, even the massive ones. I mean, even if you want to bring in and they're not really comparative sort of bands While She Sleeps or Bury Tomorrow, I don't think While She Sleeps or Bury Tomorrow could, could have made Braille. And they're big. I... I, I I no, I well no, I don't like either of those bands. But no, yeah, I don't okay, think they. Could yeah. As someone who does anywhere like both of those near, bands, yeah. this as someone record. who does actually yeah, 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 enjoy yeah, both yeah, of those yeah, bands, yeah. who are obviously far far more sizable than yeah. Palm Reader, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know you can chuck in whoever from that scene that you want to chuck in um, from like you know four or five years ago when, when sort of those bands were playing similar size sort of venues, yeah. You know, I don't think any of those bands would have been capable of making Braille. And that, to me, that's why they, they, they to me are like, I do go, you're our version, you could be our version of Converge, you could be our version of Cave In. I'd love to see them do what Cave In did. I'd love to see them go, fuck it, let's just go full melody. I'd love to, I'd love to see, uh, it would be so interesting to see Palm Reader's version of Antenna, wouldn't it? Yeah. So interesting. Or mm. Jupiter. Jupiter is what I meant when I said that they've got a, a yeah I said antenna accidentally I've just realised but yeah I think they I think they've got an album like Jupiter mm. or you know all those other ones I mentioned I think there is a I, I think there is an underground classic inside Palm Reader and I think a lot of people talked about this like it's the best album of their career and it is but to me it's the bridge between what happens next but that's fucking exciting because this is brilliant mm. so that's my number fourteen that's Braille. I um, stayed mostly silent during that, but I'd just like people to know that I was nodding vigorously mm. for most of it. Um, but they'll be coming up again quite shortly. <laughs> but before that, uh, Pig Destroyer. Oh, good. Hello. Um, another, you know, quiet band. Um, Head Cage, which is the band's sixth album, uh, sort of notoriously progressive grindcore merchants um i think they have made their best album by taking a lot of the grindcore out of it and adding a bassist best pig destroyer album oh sorry sorry the best pig destroyer album yes you think this is the best pig destroyer album i do wow yes i do uh what's your um prowl in the yard mate prowl in the yard's great Mm, prowl in the yard i think i prefer terrifier to prowl in the yard and probably bookburner actually Bookburn is wicked. No, no, I nah, it's just you know, yeah, Prowl yeah, in the I, Yard is like the first grindcore album that I yeah, really, yeah, really yeah, got yeah. into. Like, it's the first time I started really listening to grindcore, and uh, you know, it's just one of those ones where you go, oh, it takes me back to when I started. I remember, so, you remember, so I've said on the podcast before, like when I was 17 years old, you know, like the heaviest band I listened to was Slayer, and I worked at Virgin Megastore when Prowl in the Yard came out. And we saw the cover art and we're just like, all right, we've got to put this on the stereo. It was the first time I'd ever heard anything like that, ever. 
you know I, I don't think I'd even got round to napalm death at this point and I remember just sort of laughing at it and uh yeah 16 years later here we are and I think Pig Destroyer actually absolutely fucking some phenomenal yeah. how weird is it uh how times change but um yeah I just think this is not only their best record, I think it's actually their most accessible as well. Definitely, yeah. By a very long way, um, which might... I, I kind of expected... When I first heard this album, I expected a bit of a backlash. And I'm really, really pleased to see that. I've not really seen it. No. But then you've got to think, Scott Hull has done a lot of stuff with... I mean, this, you know, like... I really, really love the last Agrophobic Nosebleed mm-hmm. um, EP. Mm-hmm. Which arc I think it was called, which was more like an album. Actually. It was just a three-track album, but they were like twenty-four-minute like, yeah, yeah, long yeah, songs yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah. So it was actually more like an album. But you know, he did something completely different with that. And I think the thing about Pig Destroyer is, and the thing about really about Scott Holt really is that you shouldn't ever really try and second guess him. And I think Absolutely people, not. any of the kind of like militant grindcore fans, probably gave up on trying to, you know troll scott Hull into doing what what they want him to do a long long time ago because why the fuck would you bother like he ain't gonna listen to you yeah and he's done so much stuff that i mean he's just fucking brilliant he he is isn't he he's he's just a fucking great guy incredible absolutely incredible and i just think from the moment this album starts with that really uh, beautiful kind of LP track and sort of says we will not yeah. be held responsible for any hearing impairments or damage caused to you by excessive exposure to this sound and then this horrible horrible noise comes in to to it ending with this massive seven minute long track which has this um, uh, ode to blackened at the beginning of it and stuff yeah. it's just a masterpiece the whole Fucking way through great. yeah and um, but like I say they have this level of accessibility on the album which they've never had before if you listen to a, a song like army of cops so i played my housemate army of cops who has a level of, of extremity that she goes to her level of extremity probably goes to braille and you know palm readers right. braille but beyond that no i played her army of cops and there's so much groove in it and like elements of pantera mm. you know she was kind of like I'm not going to listen to it again, but yes, I can see, you know, I can see it's difficult to resist. Yeah, Army of Cops is like an extreme metal five minutes alone, isn't it? Yes. Do you know what I mean? That's a great shout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fucking awesome. And then you've got like Terminal. But then what I love is that there is so much groove and there's so much like Lamb of God. Like, you know, I think we said at the time, if you had Devil Driver and Lamb of God. Yeah. Yeah, you could totally yeah. get into this and then like sticking a song like Terminal Witch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's fucking... Uh, There's ma- this was my 21. I'm glad you brought it in because this was my... Yeah. It was between this and Tesseract for my 21. I right. I to give like the kind of the last shout out to. So yeah, I'm really glad you, you did this because it is, it is a fucking brilliant record. I've just... I've just... The, the moment, you know, we got it in our, in our inbox. So it's like brilliant new Pig Destroy record. Um, and... Just from the moment, I just haven't stopped listening to it all year. I just fucking love it. I think it's half an hour of just sheer, but I was going to say sheer brutality and noise, but then at the same time, there is actually a lot of dynamics. I mean, they go to a lot of different places within those parameters. You know, if you think of a song like Mount's, is it Mount Skull or something like that? Like 
the I mean, which is just disgustingly brutal. Um, but then you have, you know, the opener of um, that seven minute long track. Mountain right, of the Snakes. Mountain of Snakes, that's it, thank you. Um, which which is really beautiful, you know, again, this beautiful ode to like the intro to Blackened by Metallica, but it sounds really quite beautiful, all these harmonics and stuff going on. Um, it's just, I do I do think it is their, I do think it is their best album. And I do know it's that I'm not, shout. I know I'm not the only person to say it as well. Well, I can imagine you're not because I, I you know, like I said, if people go, Pig Destroyer. Mm. Oh, that's going to be too much. You know, like, oh, well, I, you know, I like Testament, but I don't know if I want to listen to Pig Destroyer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I like pigs. Who yeah. doesn't like bacon? Uh, vegetarians. Vegans, other than that, I'm uh, vegan too. Yeah. Um, and e- even, even vegetarians are partial to a bit of bacon, I reckon. I reckon it's the meat that you're like, oh, come on. I reckon... I, I reckon mind, but like, it's funny, but I do know some vegetarians who are like... What's oh, your beef one, with bacon? The one thing I miss... What's my beef with bacon? Episode title? <laughs> No, uh, um, <laughs> no, yeah, I have a serious title this week. Um, and, uh, uh, but anyway, I think we're getting off the point a little bit, which uh, yeah, is, yeah, yeah, the, um, yeah, some vegetarians, uh, they, they do always tell me that bacon's the thing they miss most, but you know, it's the smell of it, I reckon. But anyway, Maybe, yeah, yeah, the smell of charred skin is always something that you, you miss, isn't it? As a human being, um, <laughs> sounds like a Pig Destroyer song. It does, uh, but that's title. it. I mean, you think the Pig Destroyer is going to be super uber 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 brutal? And like, don't get me wrong, like you know, if you've listened, if you listen, if you listen to this podcast because you know you listen to the Jeff Buckley special and that's what you like, you're probably not really going to get into this record so much. If you've got but, through this episode because you got into the Jeff Buckley uh, one, as if you've got as far as you have, then then thank you from the bottom of our hearts because we've talked a lot about metal we have uh, yeah, so, yeah. but yeah. metal's been really good this year it's and been you really should fucking listen year. to it and it ain't gonna stop anytime <laughs> soon to be perfectly honest but that's um, Head Cage by Pig Destroyer your number 14 yep. my number 13 is I would say probably the most violently disturbing record I've heard this year uh, it didn't get into yours um, because you've only listened to it 12 times and you're scared to listen to it. Yeah. I am a nihilistic, hate-filled, evil, miserableist, and I will listen to You Won't Get You Want by Daughters until my stupid brain start, melts and starts dribbling out of my ear. Uh, because <laughs> In the same way that you're glad I put Pig Destroyer in, I'm really glad you put Daughters yeah. in because it hurt not putting Daughters in. Well, this album just hurts full stop, yeah. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. I liked it when I well, did I like it when I first heard it I thought oh this is hard work this is really fucking very hard very, work very really really hard work yep. and after about a week I thought it's hard work but it's bloody worth it because it's great it's yep. really good at this point oh, I just think it's fucking unbelievable this record mm. it's so great it's so it is it is like staring into a swirling vortex of a pure black unadulterated hatred it is the yep. most evil record i've heard in a long 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 time um do you think it's the heaviest album that will be in this list because i think there is a shout for that yes i uh, i for me it's not the, sonically necessarily no for me for me this is the heaviest record of the year yeah i think i agree with you yeah because the stuff that it does reference, um, you know, on songs like The Flammable Man, yeah. that could go head to head with The Armed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, like Definitely. we were talking about The Armed and we also, we've spoken about Frontieria a lot um, uh, on this podcast and we're talking about bands who are sonically wild and 
untamed and heavy in a sonic in a you know in a in a, in a fast chaotic sonic way yep. whereas something like satan in the way i was gonna say satan in the way yeah. less sex um I've been listening to, I think as most, as I've said over the sort of, over the last year or so, I've gone back and listened a lot to The Cure, Susie and the Banshees, um, kind of mid-period Depeche Mode, always did listen to Killing Joke, but lots more Killing Joke, Pill, post Joy punk, Division, post-punk, post punk, yeah. yeah. And I've been doing that for about a year now. I've had a real kind of fucking, real like, desire to want to listen to that stuff a lot it's led me to a place where just before this album came out probably a couple of months before this album came out i for the first time i really delved into suicide and throbbing gristle and suicide the band suicide the band yeah um throbbing gristle and um and swans and yeah uh, yeah yeah, and stuff like that a lot of swans in this record yeah um, very difficult to penetrate music basically yeah, yeah. and uh and actually craft work as well mm, okay like even some of the very if you get like obviously not all of it but like there's bits of craft work in this as well right but it's okay. like craft work being molested like it's like craft work via linda blair and the exorcist do you know what i mean it's like <laughs> proper you know it's like reagan from the exorcist if craft workers to the little girl then this album is the satan inside uh, of her let the jesus fuck you, you yeah. Know? yeah and um and that stuff because of the way that it was produced and because of when it came out i mean you mentioned new order and how you struggle with the production i think i listened to that stuff and from the kind of late 70s and the early 80s and i like it but i reckon that I, 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 I've been listening to it and thinking, oh, I wonder what it would say. Like, because it's so fucking evil and it's so kind of dark. And I, ca- I can't help but wonder what it would sound like with modern production. And then you get this come along and it tells you, and mm. it gives you that. Like, it's just a very, very disturbing record. Mm. A very disturbing record. Disturbing I, I, I think it's the sort of thing that you are either going to want to turn off after 10 seconds and will yep. scar you and you'll never ever want to hear it again or it'll be the sort of thing which will you just can't help but kind of go back to it and what like if you're a miserable fuck face like me then you are going to want to you, you you just want to like delve so far deep into it and my god when you really get into it mm. when you get real 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 deep into it uh, it's a horrible record. But it's this a is, horrible, horrible record. I think this is the thing. I think I, I objectively recognise this as a masterpiece. Uh, yeah, I think um, it is pretty incredible. But I, I couldn't honestly put it into my top twenty because I do struggle to listen. It's to it. It's impenetrable. Yeah, it's basically impenetrable yeah, unless yeah, yeah. you have some sort of psychotic problem yeah yeah but um, but i respect any <laughs> anyone who i i and anyone who what i've heard people say that this is their album of the year mm. and i go yep yeah, fair enough yeah, i yeah. I, un- I understand where they're coming from yeah even though i find it so difficult i can't wait to see them live again mm. um and i can't wait to see this material live yeah uh because i really want to know wh- i can't I can only begin to imagine what that is going to be like. Yeah. Um, and that will probably happen. They, they are doing a show in London, but they are, yeah, it might be Roadburn. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I imagine 
I can't. This material live is surely going to be mind blowing. I can't wait. I mean, it, it, it's almost apart from the sort of stuff that I've already mentioned. The only other thing it reminds me of is like David Lynch. It's like Twin Peaks this album, isn't it? David Lynch is a really good shout. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's 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 genuinely. It's not frightening like heavy metal Satan frightening. It is it's, like it's not. Uh, yeah. For, for, uh, for, by like, the way, if you do, if you don't know, this isn't a metal record. Really? No, it's not. I'd say they have. They have grind. I mean, the, the first daughter's record is a grindcore album, yeah. effectively. I mean, but yeah, you, when you go back and listen to their old stuff, it, it's totally unrecognizable. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't call this a metal record at all. Um, the post punk stuff is not a bad shout, um, but I. But I think. <laughs> just because you like New Order does not like you mean you'd like no, this. No. So I, I also think that's kind of misleading in a way, although I don't disagree with what you're saying. I don't, I don't know what, I don't know what this album is, to be honest. I, I think it is a mix. It is a Art mix. Rock. Yeah, it's a mix between like post, <laughs> post, post rock. Right. <laughs> post grindcore. Right. And post, -grindcore. post, post punk. Wow. That's a lot of post. And it's uh, more but, post than the Royal Mail. I know, but ultimately, what it is, I think, is just a truly terrifying glimpse in a glimpse into the 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 horror of, of like the darkest part of the human psyche. Are we talking about Mumford and Sons now or uh, daughters? Yeah, we are. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, when you think of something like King Eight One O. Yeah. Who I think are an interesting band who we'll probably talk about when their album comes out. But yeah. I think they're an interesting band. But if you compare sort of when they're doing all the kind of guns and street stuff and you compare it to this, it's night and day really, isn't it? Yeah. I'm less of a fan of King 810 and I think it looks... I think bands like Daughters make King 810 look really silly, personally. Mm. But yeah. yes, we will discuss that at a later date, well, I'm sure. Yeah, but I'm yeah, sure yeah. we will. But anyway... Um, Essential listening for potential serial killers, I would say. Uh, that is my number 13, Daughters, You Won't Get What You Want. Appropriate number. Mm. Um, my th number 13, I need to come up with a whole bunch of new things to say about it. It's Palm Reader. Oh, right. Uh, okay. Braille. Um, yes, this is their best record. Absolutely. I think it is their best record because it's their most diverse. And I love the way that they have... Um, try to do new things with it i totally agree i was nodding so frantically when you were talking about dorothy and clockwork i think clockwork yeah. is a beautiful example of what palm reader can do and i hope continue to explore at some stage i wouldn't ever like them to totally lose the heaviness although i wouldn't mind it going into different kind of realms it doesn't have to be ferocious um all the time or anything like that but i think clockwork is uh, an example of a band clockwork is a song that could only be maybe not written but certainly performed in the way that that is performed by a group of people who have been together for a, for a, a while yeah um seeing as you said a lot of stuff i'm just going to bring up something which has been irritating for me with palm reader this year in that I've seen a lot of um, webzines and blogs and so on and so forth uh, say that talk this album up and say that it's an absolutely fantastic album. In terms of the mainstream metal press, 
Um, it hasn't really done anywhere near what I think it should have done. And that has been a source of irritation for me for pretty much the entire year. Um, I don't really know why that is. I can only imagine it's something to do with the fact that because Palm Reader aren't a new band, uh-huh. um, it's not uh, exciting because they're not, you know, they're not a fresh new face or something like that. It would be maybe, maybe uh, one one of the reasons why that happened. Um, but I think that's a shame because I do think Braille, Braille is not the album of a band who have just got together. People don't tend to make, you know, we've just wang on about how brilliant the Conjure record is, but there are things that Palm Reader do that Conjure would not be capable of doing mm. because they've not been together as a unit for long enough. Mm. And when this attitude prevails that it's like, oh, it's it's just another album by that band that people sort of vaguely know about already. That's the problem with that attitude because there are things which a band can only do after being years together as a unit. And I think that's what's so brilliant about Braille. Yeah. It's, I, I'm being... it's, I think just to sort of add to that, please. Um, to say there's not a story, I think is bollocks personally. I agree. Frankly, I think yeah. that's fucking bullshit. And I, I, I'm, 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 it's a hype. <laughs> I can show you an email chain. It's a <laughs> hype. It's a hypothesis. It's a hypothesis. And you know, I actually, yeah, it. no, no, yeah. but I, yeah. I know that that I, I'm pretty sure that that's like, you know, it's something that people just go, well, you know, they've had two albums and what else are you going to say? It's just another album yeah. of theirs. And it's never really, and they've it, never really I, hit but before. But it's it's so like, no. isn't that's but, what's, what's fucking annoying. Sorry, I'm interrupting you, but what's annoying is all three palm reader records are totally different from one another I know. that's the thing that really fucks me off like the progression is cl- really clear to see in my opinion sorry Karen. well i was gonna say i think as well like when bad weather came out they were kids really like yeah. i know andy's a little bit older but yeah. like they were they and they're still young like they're still young yeah. dudes and but now they're they you know th- this is an album made by grown-ups by men like yeah. do you know what i mean it's not an album made by bad weather sounds uh, and to a certain extent um besides the one we love as well is made with a lot of like youthful exuberance and yeah. this album isn't no. this album isn't built on that and i think it's really really it's a real shame that they've not been able to expand upon why that is to people who are interested in them and i think people would be interested in them i like a, do you know what i mean it, when i listen to this record i go why the fuck wouldn't they be interested in them i think it's insane mm. and you know we have uh, we have collectively put this record above albums by Pig Destroyer and Conjurer and Anal Nathrak and you know big behemoth Mm. big fucking players in extreme I I mean I I wouldn't even call this an extreme uh, well Palm Reader aren't an extreme metal band they're certainly not a metal band it's it's heavy music isn't it I suppose Mm. but you know like yeah we've put them above all of those big hitters in that world um rightly like in my opinion like um, and even some bands like vane and conjurer who have been hugely hyped yeah yeah you know uh, and again like i've got no problem with either of those bands being you know lord lauded for the fucking wicked stuff they're doing but i just think you know when that kind of overtakes yeah it's a shame yeah um I think the only other thing I want to point out, which you haven't already, is um, 
the brilliance of that opening track, Swarm. Um, if you've not if you've not heard anything from this record, just check out Swarm. And um, if it's not for you, then you you know might not like it. But but um, it's just this everything about that song is a great example like they couldn't have written that song around bad weather they couldn't have written that song on the last record beside the ones uh beside the ones we love love, um you know it's just got this like raging verse and a huge anthemic chorus there's this amazing bit where either sam or or, um andy ride on this natural harmonic and then dan joins in on the double bass pedal and every single time that comes in it makes me go oh it's just (laughs) so good and there's so much in that one three and a half four minute song and it's like yeah this is what they're capable of um and um yeah i think they're incredible we uh, as we're recording this we're going to see them on thursday yeah so we'll have seen it the day this comes out we will have just seen them play this the album night before, before yeah yeah and i am with loads excited. as well we were very yes loads of great yeah, good, yeah. yeah yeah um anyway that's your number 13 braille by palm reader my number 12 at one point Okay, this was when I realised that this year had been good. Oh. Right, because there was there was a point in the year where this was number one. Cardi B. Stop going about Cardi. You don't even know who she is. <laughs> She's got weird. You couldn't hair. pick her out of a fucking lineup. I bet you could you could put Cardi B next to Katy Perry. Um I would li- reckon she I would recognise Cardi B yeah, out of Katy Perry. Let me finish. Nicki Minaj, Katy right. Perry, it's Nicki getting, Minaj, yeah, Taylor Swift. Uh, uh, Cardi and- B's black, right? Yeah. Well, I definitely recognise her out of Taylor Swift and Katy Perry. And um, <laughs> the bloke from um, the what, six nine with the face tattoos. And you'd go, I don't know. Because <laughs> you're so out of touch with everything. You constantly bemoan my lack of pop music knowledge as if that's a, a bad thing for this podcast. It doesn't really affect it. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It's just You suddenly become obsessed with Cardi B. You don't even, you don't even know who she is. Um Sorry, what's your number 12, Steve? I uh, it was number one at one point, and that's when I was like, oh, fucking hell. Like, there was a little period where I thought this was the best album of the year. Um, it's only made it at number 12. Turnstile, Time and Space. <sighs> I'm going to have to be quiet. Yep, okay. No, I thought you might. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that you would have this in there. I mean, uh, 25 minutes, it's two minutes shorter than uh, Rain in Blood. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a good point yeah but it's in its own way it's just as fucking intense and quality um non-stop feeling's wicked like yeah. i thought non-stop feeling was a wicked record uh it did one thing or a couple of things really really well there's a lot of fun it was great this does many things very very well listeners just assume i'm nodding vigorously through yeah. all of this you know when it kicked off, like real thing into Big Smile, I was like, okay, I know what we're getting here. Turnstile are back. Generator comes along, changes the fucking, like you get a sharp left. Um, and when they go, there's so, there is so many catchy, brilliant, great, bouncy hardcore mixed with metal, mixed with alternative rock, mixed with like, you know, when, when I was putting a kind of, um, listing my head together of what this reminded me of to go from mad ball to metallica to the smashing pumpkins within the space of i don't want to be blind high pressure up to kind of moon like do you know what i mean like how much again it's that thing like i said earlier with conjurer chucking loads of stuff at something 
and every and it, and it all paying off. I think this it is all, it all sticks though, doesn't it? It all sticks. It all sticks. It's it's a fucking brilliant record, and to get so much into twenty five minutes, and to get it so right, and again, like you know, brevity. We've spoken a lot this year between the two of us about albums that are too long, and you've even spoken about one that's too short. But length and getting an album, getting it just right. I think it's a very, very difficult skill for Turnstile to make an album, which is 20... When I first saw this, it was 25 minutes long. I was like, oh, what is that all? Yeah. 25, I'm going to want more than 25 minutes. And I do want more than... like If it was going to be like this, I could happily sit with this for... You can play this twice through and it feel like you've been listening to it for like 10 minutes. You can play it. Five or six times. You can, though. yeah. I mean, I've played, I played about four times through back to back over mm. the over the course of the year, uh, a couple of times. There's just nothing really bad about it at all. It's 13 songs. I mean, you know, I'm sure when you come to talk about it, you'll talk about Moon, which I think is one of the fucking best songs of the year. It's just not, not, not. Yes. Yeah, you know, <laughs> hip hop, bounce, groove, hardcore, metal, lounge piano, yes. Um, yes. trip hop. Uh, Agro melody, like shoegazy sunshine summer vibes, good times, and aggression—a mixture of fucking Billy Corgan fronting or like not even Billy Corgan. I was gonna say that the Smashing Pumpkins fronted by Ray Capo from Shelter at yeah. points. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. oh, it's just fucking brilliant. Yeah. It's just—it's just a really brilliant little it's just a little brilliant bomb of creativity nice. I fucking love it so that was number one at one point which go, which we'll probably go to to give you some idea of just how kind of excited I'm going to be about next week's stuff mm. so that's Turnstile I hope you're Time all looking space. forward to hearing all of those words in a completely different order next week <laughs> yeah. uh, but yes um, agreed well go on then what's your number 12 my number 12 is um, a quite a possibly controversial one for a lot of people because you know what i do not think this album was very well received and i think it's a travesty um my number 12 is uh sister cities by the wonder years ah i have not bothered going back to at all really yep okay i got this record um a really long time ago might have even been last year it was a while ago um and haven't stopped listening to it all year. I think it is a transformative record. People said that the difference between... Like you, I'm not particularly... I think the the, the Greatest Generation is the album that people go on about in terms of the Wonder Years. Yeah. Um, for my tastes, it's a tad too pop. But I, I recognise it as a very good album of its type. It's a tattoo pop punky for me. Yeah, me too, yeah. I didn't get big into the Wonder Years. I'm very new to Wonder Years in the sense that I didn't really get into them until No Closer to Heaven, which I think is a fantastic record. It's a brilliant record, yeah. I think that was a leap. Um, if that was a leap, then this is like jumping from one planet to another. I just think the... the I know you're not a fan of the, this phrase and I'm not particularly either, but I, I just can't think of a better way to say it the the maturation the the fact that they've matured so much with this album I mean I just don't know what else mm. how else to put it but the 
instrumentation and the way that they put songs together and the way that this album flows and the um, things that they're singing about. I mean, Dan Soupy Campbell has always, always been a very emotive, brilliant lyricist. Um, but the the way that he makes uh, comparisons to the personal and the political in this record is just truly astonishing, in my opinion. Um, I think the thing that I really love about this record is kind of... I don't want to call them the ballads, but the the quiet, the the more quieter tunes. I, I think I wonder if this is why it was a record that didn't really hit with people, didn't really work because it more or less this album goes sort of um, fast paced song, slow song, fast paced song, slow song, fast paced slow, slow blah blah blah. You know, pretty much. Yeah, I think the slow songs on this record are, are absolutely brilliant. I think get writing, and I. I, I don't really want to call them ballads i think ballads is the wrong word but writing kind of emotive slow songs that actually work and still have an edge to them is enormously an enormously difficult thing to get right Mm. i think it might even be one of the hardest things to get right in rock music how many times have you heard a rock band go down a ballady route and it's just been really syrupy and really like oh god you know it's the point where you fuck off for a beer or whatever well that's what i do because i'm an alcoholic apparently um <laughs> wow <laughs> taking this well have you it's i'm 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 joking i'm i'm next to the bar the entire time i'm watching <laughs> a gig um i just think the wonder years have pulled it off in a stunning stunning way um when i think of songs like the ocean grew hands to hold me just that title is so evocative and wonderful and beautiful um uh oh um ah uh, we were oh it's a song about lightning and i forgot the name of it mate i haven't missed this album since the week it came out so it's, you, i can't help you at all yeah so you so you just didn't get on board with this record no, at not all really i really loved like i said i really loved no closer to heaven mm. and I, i'm not that fussed by the greatest generation either not at all and then i listened to this and i was like yeah not so much it is weird because like, i'm not even listening to no closer to heaven in in to be perfectly honest because I kind of got turned off that by not being interested in any of the rest of their back catalog. Right, right. I think, I think, I mean, I would, uh, from the point of view of where I came in with the Wonder Years, I would agree that it is the last two records that have got my, most of my attention. Mm. Um, but I am obsessed with both of them. I think they're both absolutely amazing. I, I, having heard this album a good three or four months before it came out, I assumed when it came out we were going to get a wave of people, you know, more the Kerrang and Rock Sound kind of crowd, but I thought we were going to get a wave of people going, this is the best thing the Wonder Years have ever done. Yeah. And it was released and it was, there was kind of just a whimper and most people were like, eh. And I don't know if, I don't know if it was, it just clicked with me, like right. in a really strong, and I know a couple of other people that it's clicked really well with, um, but, I don't I don't know it's 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 a, it's certainly one of the few records on this list on my list which I would probably say overall didn't get a good critical response yeah but for my money this is easily the best record they have released ever by by quite some margin as well I think wow. every song is stellar on okay. it I think it is the best thing they've ever done and I'd mm. I'd be really curious to know what um you guys think as well about sister cities let us know tweet us at riot acts underscore podcast very good 
Um, so there you go, number 12. What's it called? Sister Sin. Sister Cities. Sister Cities, that's it. Sister Sin. That sounds like something that I... Sounds like a Twisted Sister record. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so that's your number 12. My final one of the week. Now, again, there's a little period where this is number one. And I've had a funny Ooh. old relationship with this record because I actually reviewed this for Metal Hammer and I got sent it right. And I, I, I gave it at the time and I spent a lot of time writing the review. I spent a lot of time thinking about what score I could give it. I, just before you say anything, we might have the same number 11, but carry on. It's Death Heaven. We have the same number yeah, 11. Yeah, it's Death Heaven, Ordinary Corrupt Human Love. Now, I gave this a 7 out of 10 in Metal Hammer back in the summer. Wrong. And I, <laughs> Sorry, wrong, carry on. Very, very wrong. Yeah, I was wrong. And, it, and about a month later, I thought to myself, ah, bum. Like, it's really... And I t- I'll explain why. Yeah, 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 I'll explain you. why. You've explained to me off, off my boot. Yeah, no, I'll explain why. Now... Sunbathers brilliant. Fuck yes. It's fucking brilliant, right? And I actually think New Bermuda is just as brilliant. As okay. Well. Yeah. Person I was slightly disappointed with New Bermuda in my okay. opinion, but 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 yeah. But what I liked I liked the kind of the meld of kind of indie shoegaze and a bit of brutality i liked kind of a bit of beauty with the black metal that sunday that brought i thought those songs were yep. fucking awesome yep. and it's a great record i M- also one of liked, the best metal records of the decade in my opinion but i loved the backlash of the, the from after the backlash i loved their reaction to the backlash on yep. new bermuda by going well fuck you then we'll make an album that sounds like celtic frost yeah and um and i thought that was really fucking cool so when i heard ordinary corrupt Decent human love. Is that what it's called? So I've just forgotten what it's Ordinary called. Corrupt Human Love. Ordinary Corrupt Human Love. Yeah, I don't know why I put a decent It is a silly there. title. Yeah, Ordinary Corrupt Human Love. When I heard it for the first time, I was just surprised because I thought, well, there's not really, not just black metal in it. There's barely any metal in it at all. It's quite punky. It reminds yeah. me more of The Cure, the Cocktoo Twins. Um, it reminds me of, at points, kind of, um, almost a kind of modern emo do you know what I mean? Some of the more kind of yes. modern, uh, uh, not emo more, but but when we were talking about stuff like restorations, there's touches of shit like that kind of Heartland rock in it. There's bits on, I mean, that uh, I have to say, I still think potentially my favourite song of the entire year is Canary Yellow. Brilliant song. Which is an absolutely fucking unbelievable song yeah. and when he goes full you know when you think about like people were slagging him off for not being black metal I think in the review in Hammer I'm going to steal my, my own bit of a review when I was like the, the solo at the end of Canary Yellow is less um, a bath in a, for- in, a, in, a, in a snowy forest and more slash up a mountain like, you know, it's <laughs> yeah, proper so you know and there's, there's nods to stuff like Thin Lizzy do you know what I mean? You hear like this big 70s rock guitar parts in it as well. I, I think there's a lot of Queen on this record. Yeah, Queen. You know, yeah. there, there's... there's This, to me, feels like, all right, you don't like us being black metal? Okay, cool. Well, we just won't have anything to do with it at all. Mm. Like, it's barely even a metal record. I think the, the pacing of it feels like punk rock to me. Mm. Like, yeah, you know, his vocals are very... Mm-hmm. Are, are the, his vocals are the last remaining kind of... Um, uh, crux to mm. and kind of like link to to, to to kind of extreme metal in any way I, I think I think it's a really interesting record to, to, but to fill listeners in on this because because they won't know these these private conversations we've had so, so we slightly differ on that in that I still think 
this is a metal album and you're of the opinion that it isn't bar the vocals it isn't really a metal album no. and that's why you gave it a seven for metal how more it is, is yeah that correct? so i gave it a seven because i i mean i thought it's a lot m- initially i thought it's not as heavy as new bermuda it's not as consistent as Sunbather. It's a very disjointed album. And I listened to it. I spent, a, I spent a, to give you a, a, a little insight, as I was writing the copy, to be sure, to make sure I was sure, I listened to it five times on the trot on a Oof. bank holiday Monday. Okay. Right, I sat on my sofa and I did nothing else apart from listen back over and over and over and over again to the record. And I thought to myself, it's quite disjointed because obviously like, you know, Night People turns up after the, the one song in it for me where it does go a bit kind of blast beat black metal is Glint. Glint yeah. And surely. then it's followed up by Night People, which is fronted by Chelsea, Chelsea Wolf. Yeah. And is this kind of, you know, Kate Bush uh, gone electro like lament. And it's, but they had bits and pieces. I mean, this, uh, I can't remember the name of it now, but the second track on Sunbather has absolutely shit all to do with metal, but it's still a metal record, is it not? Yeah, but the most of but that's that's I, I would say the splits like fifty fifty. I don't think the splits fifty fifty on this. I don't think uh, you without end is like the which is the opening track. Yeah, like George George doesn't even come in till five and a half minutes into yeah, it. Yeah, um, that hun- that that song really sounds like Queen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Honeycomb is a punk rock song. Canary Yellow is like a hard like is is like a hard yeah i think it is it's about 10 minutes isn't it i mean it's 10 minutes long but it's punk it's got punk pacing and it's got loads of like really delicate nice parts in it canary yellow is we've already spoken about just is all over the place it's like kind of some prog rock prog rock odyssey and then yeah glint's heavy night people i think even and what it ends on worthless animals again 10 minutes long i'm not sure what the the majority at least 50 percent of death heaven used to sound like some sort of attempt at being extreme metal. I don't think it is that anymore. Mm. And let me get this completely straight why it's at number 11 is because initially my sort of thought for it was, it was not like, you know, because I think I said to you, like I reviewed it for Metal Hammer and sort of thought, well, it's so now kind of, it's far enough removed from metal for me to kind of go, I'm not sure that in a metal magazine you can get too excited about something that reminds you of Depeche Mode and The Cure and do you know what I mean? That kind of thing. Um, or like Big Black. There's bits in it where you're just yeah. like, this fucking, do you know what I mean? And you're like, uh, is that really the right audience? I'm not sure. But more so that I just felt like it was so disjointed and there were so many ideas that didn't initially all click together as one cohesive piece of work. And I think that was my initial thought and problem with it, why I gave it a seven. As time has gone on, and as I've started to listen to it as a full album and got used to the many varying twists and turns that it goes on, I'm at a point now where I think it's the best Death Heaven record. Ooh. It's my second favourite. I, 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 anything replacing Sunbather is going to be a really tough sh- yeah, shout. I, I just find this way more interesting than Sunbather. I think um, Sunbather to me is personally very uh, important um, because we've been talking a lot about very extreme music uh, here. And truthfully, I can't remember if I've really said this on the podcast or not, but my interest in the the really uh, extreme stuff in terms of black metal and death metal and stuff like that, I had bits and pieces here and there, but I didn't 
fully go in on it to the point where I would have called myself a black metal fan or a death metal fan un- until Sunbather. Sunbather was kind of the... Because because I came to it w- with the post-Rocky elements. I was like, you know, there's lots of kind of mogwai and explosions in the sky in it and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but I found the mix with that metal style irresistible. But, mm. you know, so Sunbather just for me just is a very important record personally yeah that's fine uh, uh, it's a great it's a great record don't get me wrong yeah i it, just actually the thing that most kind of confused me about this record yeah has ended up being the thing that i love the most about it yeah what yeah, confused yeah, me about yeah. it was like hold on you've got you've kept the the mogwai and the explosions in the Very much stuff, so, yeah. yeah but you've sort of phased out the black metal and you've brought in you know like i say dual thin lizzy guitar leads yeah um you know what I mean like spoken word poetry kind of I think uh, I think the key thing as well with this record is there's a lot of major key triumphant melodies yeah it's a really it's it's now this is a happy record like weirdly uh, yeah this is a happy record yeah more yeah I I don't think that's yeah it's a celebratory okay it's a celebratory celebratory record record. yeah yeah, yeah, it's a record that you know that you know when he talks about like the language of flowers in honeycomb yeah yeah Do you know yeah, what i mean yeah. like that's not very metal it's, it's far removed from i mean you know there's lyrics in sunbay the way he's effectively screaming i want to die and stuff like this is very yeah, far yeah. removed from and, that yeah, yeah and i yeah. think like having read a few interviews since the album's been out and stuff with with the band they did want to make a record which kind of looked at the beauty in the world yeah and you can say that's that. not very oh like, that's not very metal at all no, no, no it's no. not a very metal kind of construct no and i think it sounds like it's not either so actually like you know black black metal didn't want death heaven and now this is either like if this is either as, a, as if you're a massive sort of fan of black metal to me this is either going to completely repulse you or make you go phew they've gone because they're either going to go like well this really isn't black metal well what i would say to that is like no you're right it's not mm-hmm. so why mm-hmm. are you talking about it like it is like fucking justin timberlake's not black metal either but you don't mm-hmm. go around going this isn't black metal because mm-hmm. it's not fucking mm-hmm. trying to be mm-hmm. it isn't trying to be black metal and i mm-hmm. think like it's it's vocals aside that it, that's his voice and that's what it sounds like mm-hmm. i think you know it's going to be very very hard for death heaven to really really infiltrate the mainstream because of unless they get a new vocalist. Um, yeah. yeah. Because his voice sounds like that. But I, you know, um, will come back to vocalists who people have, I mean, you've already touched on it and fucking pissed me off already talking about vocalists who are, you know, getting shit for sounding the way they sound in an album full of stuff that potentially could sound nicer if there was a nicer vocalist. And it's like, you know, fuck off. Like, that's what he sounds like. And I've pissed you off personally you were talking about damien earlier saying like oh in the fact anyway, oh, i'm not getting into that now yeah, yeah. that's for next week trust yeah, yeah. me but um i'm sure but, there'll be a big debate about that next week <laughs> yeah fucking right there will um <laughs> uh but anyway yeah i i really 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 love this record and it's 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 a sleeper i think my point was it's been a real sleeper hit for me yeah because when okay. i first heard it i didn't know and it took me a good six weeks before i really felt right. like i knew and I, I you know like i didn't sort of do the review for metal hammer having only listened to it once or listened to it one and a half times through i really sat down and i was like right and because 
it's a fucking challenge. It's a yeah. it's a, a challenging record. And I knew it would be, so I gave myself a long time. And you know, the day before it was due in, I did fucking sit there and listen to it again and again and again and again. And I was like, is this good? <laughs> like, yeah. you know, what yeah. is this? And they're they're often the albums that you end up being the most kind of enamoured with. I think. Well, that's the thing. I do think it's a, a hell of a grower. I when I first heard it, I already knew I preferred it to New Bermuda which which was a record which I thought that was a record of two halves I love the last half and the first half doesn't really do all that much for me um but certainly it was just kind of like oh yeah cool okay this is decent and yeah now it's in my top 20 um probably was in my top five for a while it's bounced around quite a lot mm, it's bounced um, around a lot for me I mean I'm if it was just kind of metal quite unquote metal bands just been fucking saying it's not a metal album now I'm <laughs> on metal band but like yeah it, it's you know in my kind of top 20 when we put in for metal hammer obviously so a yeah. lot of stuff coming up in the top 10 next week which is very very definitely not it's not as metal orientated next week yes i would say the same yeah for me as well mm. definitely so um, it's definitely one of the best kind of hard rock stroke heavy metal releases of the year for me undoubtedly i i completely agree i th- i i I love it and I love the fact that they like you say fly in the convention of the people who hate them it's kind of like mm. fine you hate us great we'll do more of that yeah just to piss you off yeah. um I think that's fantastic <laughs> they've got no reason to be pissed off now it's like you've got, literally got nothing to do with not you, really yeah. no um I, I don't think they ever had any reason to be pissed off because Death Heaven have been excellent I mean even the debut album is is yeah. really really good uh Roads to Judah you know is a very mm. you know they've done much better stuff since then but you know to be pissed off about that sort of thing just shows how small-minded a lot of no I'm not gonna not gonna say a lot of a uh, small-minded some extreme metal fans are but yeah you know. it's, it's amazing to think that this band are so when you when you think of like the most the singularly most divisive bands of this decade in metal, mm, Death Heaven, are, Death Heaven are like apart apart from like Baby Metal are the main one, yeah, probably. And then maybe Five Finger Death Punch would be the other, yeah. And then Death Heaven, yeah. yeah. Like I would say honestly, I think apart from those two that I mentioned, I can't think of a more kind of divisive band than Death Heaven in sort of metal. And when you listen to this, you just think, well, that's absolutely mad. That's crazy. Absolutely fucking mad. So I. This is a brilliant record. Um, and Agreed. it's both of our number 11. And mm. that is where we're going to end this week's show. That was Death Heaven with Ordinary Corrupt Human Love. Next week, we'll be doing 10 to 1. The big fucking hitters are going to come out, Renfrey. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes, they oh, are. Yeah. And uh, we'll also be talking about the best gigs of the year. And we'll be talking about the worst albums of the year. Or as I like to call it, Muse. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> no spoilers um, go over to we are indebted and we're sorry we didn't do it at the start we are indebted to musicism musicism.net go over there and uh, sign up for courses to make you a better guitarist a better songwriter a better singer a better producer a better person um, and uh, you can get 25% off when you put in the code riot in capital letters in the checkout so go and do that. They're lovely people. Do you want to hear a uh, exciting musicism development, which I'm not sure if I'm allowed to talk about, but I'm going to say it anyway. And then if cool. we find out we're not allowed to talk about it, I'll just edit it out. Go on. Yeah. <laughs> I felt like a sentence. Yeah. There's a new course coming. Oh, what's it? Oh, no. It what? is to make you a better person. Yeah. Is it? No. Okay. Uh, but there is a new course coming. I won't say any more than that. But oh, yes, there will be. He's wanting to learn the bassoon. <laughs> <laughs> coming bassoon um 
Strictly coming bassoon? Uh, Write that down. <laughs> anyway, sounds... we'll be back next week. We'll be back next week with uh, with the final bit of it. <laughs> actually doing it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm doing it. Not, I'm not happy about it, but I'm doing it. We're not going to use it. Um, we'll be back next week with 10 to 1. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you next week. <laughs>